0: And now, a page from the Diary of Flow. Dear Diary, there's something about protecting people's homes through Progressive that inspires me, because I just had an idea for a book. Well, it was originally an idea for a movie based on a play inspired by a podcast, but the idea is how you can save when you bundle home and auto. Hmm, might not be the best idea for a book. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Maybe a radio commercial? Guess we'll never know. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: Yo what up podcast people? It's the one and only legend of winning, aka Lo. And we back with another episode of the All Top Podcast, better known as Watch Us Overreact to one or two games in the first <laughs> Watch Us Overreact to the first game or two in the playoffs. Shout out Adamous. to my shout out to my co-host Agent Zero. Shout out to the people who watching us. Shout out to the almighty baller podcast network shout out to all the people out there who be hitting me up in my dms telling me agent don't know what Lo, just introduce
2: about. me bro you know what the people want to come on man yo hey, yo air straight.
1: the side the sidekick let them, let them hear what you guys say hey, i'm
2: right here yo what's up man it's the main character agent zero let you're me get the mic man, closer you're not the main, so guys, character. Not the main I, character we established this so low the amount of emails i've been getting after the last podcast you don't cause, get cause,
1: emails because Fifteen
2: and sixteen year olds don't send emails, agent. I, well, they're sending. They made an email to send me. Like they, they're finding a way to send me these emails, bro. Because the first thing we talked about on the last podcast was you said that the Cavs were gonna have easy money with the Pacers, and I said, eh, you might be carried away, my guy. Like the season struggles aren't just forgotten because it's the postseason. And so I bring that up because the Pacers won Game One. Of course, Game Two hasn't happened yet, but a lot of people are looking around like they expected this to be a sweep. Because anytime they've seen LeBron in the last decade, is playoff LeBron, and they just expect him to run through folks in the East. I'm trying to say it's not going to be the same this year for plenty of reasons. One of which, I'm like, remember the last podcast though You were doing like individual matchups. Like they don't have anyone to guard LeBron. LeBron. But I was like, you're missing it, man. This been like that Wait, I, I, all season. Obviously,
1: they do have someone to guard LeBron. His name is Lance Stevens. Because for whatever reason, Lance, uh, Lance mm. Stevenson. Because Lance is, I guess he's. I don't know he's how he's clamping I feel about up LeBron, Low? man. No, nah, cuz keep this up
2: like i was watching the game i was watching lance take ill-advised shots occasionally turn it over it's cool when there's momentum and he's the hype man but there were moments where the cavs were coming back and i was like yo get lance off the floor right now and i don't know man i don't know if it has anything to do with lance it might just be straight ola Depot in that game but i low here's the thing bro you like to do that a lot where you you minimize everything to individual matchups and then you say things like Yo, who's going to guard LeBron? They don't have anyone to pick him up. And, like, logically speaking, you're right. Like, who would D him up on the Pacers? Like, there's no one that could hold him. But then you look at what happened on Game 1, and then it's picture-perfect reasoning for why, like, you shouldn't ever analyze a game the way that you did that specific time.
1: Let's let's be clear. Let's get something clear right here. One, I'm not going to sit here and just allow you to talk to me like you know more about basketball than I do. So that's that's more we more know more. We know I do. No, but no, no. Right, no. But two... I I agree, but when it comes to LeBron, that's just a separate entity because he's such a great player that he can dictate, or normally he can dictate the outcome of the game because that's how great of an individual he is. You need someone to at but least just make it a little it, bit difficult like, for him. Could
2: Could Kobe have dict like even Kobe in like oh seven oh nine? Isn't, he Kobe could've...
1: isn't better than he's not better than LeBron.
2: I will get that's a t- different debate. Could Jordan just dictate? Jordan lost. In the playoffs, too. Yeah, because, so I don't he,
1: get why, he, because he couldn't individually just dictate a team if they had great that's defenders That's the thing, on though. Him. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. So,
2: but they LeBron. had, But
1: they had great defenders on him and so, um, help defense.
2: I, I understand all that. I'm just saying, like, if the greatest of the greats couldn't do what people are expecting LeBron to do... That is carry this team. It is low, oh, By the way, the same guys. Like, there's plenty of screenshots people are pulling up from Twitter. Remember trade deadline when uh, uh, Rodney Hood went to Cavs, and then uh, Lance. I mean, uh, Nance went to the Cavs, and then the defense started to beef up, and they made trades and got players like George Hill. It was the same guys at that time that was saying, "Yo, this team is gonna take over best in the East." That are now saying LeBron has no help, and it's been like this forever now. I'm so like, I'm so. F- Fucking sick of hearing LeBron has no help. <laughs> it is pissing me off at this point. Because anytime the Cavs do bad, but, you know nobody's helping LeBron. But then if you look at the comebacks that they made during game one, when they were trying to make it close, it was guys like Jared Smith who pulled up for three. Or I think at one point Nance, in the same uh, little push, had an and one. And none of those plays are remembered. Just keep this in mind. And this is what I say to anybody who always deflects when it's LeBron's responsibility. At the end of the day, the offense runs through LeBron. The offense lives and dies by LeBron. So stop being surprised when rhythm shooters that never touch the ball in like six, seven minutes are expected to just pull up and make the shot. Not everybody could be Kyle Korver and Ray Allen, right? Because that's what they were meant to do. Those guys couldn't touch the ball all 48 minutes. They would still hit the shot at the end of the game. But anyway, that, but the point, t-
1: no, no, I mean that No, that is the point that I think many people, especially people who are just casual fans of the NBA or really don't play basketball enough to understand. That's how just human nature works. You can't expect players to just stay on the floor for like 20 plus minutes without touching the ball or at least not being active in the offense. And then whenever the defense decides to collapse on LeBron, LeBron is just going to kick it out there. And like you said, they're going to be these cold blooded shooters such as Kyle Corbin, Ray Allen. They're going to knock it down regardless if they've been on the bench for, for a majority of the game and they just come out for situation um, shots or if they've been on the floor all game and really haven't been touching the ball at all. So you, you can't expect that from a Rodney Hood, who has been inconsistent throughout his career. But the only reason why he was able to stay afloat in Utah is because they made him more active in the offense. And in Utah, he wasn't just the player that stood in the corner. As we clearly see with Quinn Snyder, he has an offense that is set up and is predicated around ball movement and player movement. And because of that, Rodney Hood was able to do a little bit more than just stand in the corner and shoot. He handled the ball. He penetrated. But like you said, when it comes to the Cavs, the way that they've built that offense has really just been allow LeBron to handle the ball, create for others, and then we're going to move in that direction. And quite honestly, it's it's been
2: to LeBron's will. It's everything about that offense flows through LeBron. And remember, like... The Cavs are a fairly ISO-heavy team compared to most teams in the NBA, Low, So, OKC tried that in the past. That team broke up. Raptors tried that in the past. Even they switched up their offense. The Cavs are one of the only remaining teams that relies heavily on ISO. And somebody brought up on Twitter, though, it was a really good point, is that they lost the best, if not one of the best ISO players in the league in Kyrie Irving. And so, when a team that focuses on running through LeBron... And having that isolation dictate a lot of their momentum, loses a player like Kyrie, yeah, it's going to hurt. And so they, they managed to come back 3-1 and win a championship. And so a lot of people were just like, all right, they could do it again. But you're forgetting, like, the pieces that they're missing that they didn't have or the pieces that they added and how that helps benefit the team. And I just – there's a lot about this the play style I don't like. And a lot of people pin it on coach and they're like, it's coach's fault. But, like, at the end of the day, the coach is going to do what LeBron wants. Everybody wants LeBron on their team. And if LeBron says, buy me a yacht, they're buying him a yacht. Like, those are just the rules. That's how it's going to be. I hate the deflections piss me off. Like, just a little bit of responsibility. We can't just say, like, it was kind of LeBron's fault. I get that it looks like LeBron is just doing everything because he's always holding the ball. Of course, he's going to drop his buckets. His name is LeBron. He's kicking it to teammates. And there were moments where teammates missed wide open shots you would expect them to make. But, like, come on, man. Not even a remote. Anyway, this is besides the point. I still think the Cavs are going to win that series. As I was saying before, though, I just think it's going to be a lot harder than plenty of people thought. They maybe just assumed since previous years it was going to be a sweep. It's not no sweep. We're talking about the Pacers.
1: I mean, I'll say I'll say this to kind of go back to what you're saying. That that is the the Kyrie thing is the biggest reason why I knew for a fact heading into the season that this is not going to be a team that took a huge step in the right direction just because like you said you add a whole bunch of players a lot of which are inconsistent players like jay crowder was in the beginning of the season th- those players are not going to add a lot to a team that heavily relies on isolation also when it comes to lebron and that's in that game he shot really bad like really really bad he didn't make a three the entire game um and hit him not being able to knock down threes forces the defense to go on the screens, and it makes it much more difficult for everyone else as the floor starts to shrink. He only made seven shots throughout the entire game, or at least, excuse me, he made seven field goal attempts throughout the entire game. Um, ten of his points came from the free throw line. So when LeBron isn't making his shots, it makes it even more difficult for the, his team to get going. But the thing about the whole coaching thing is and I, to me, I'm more so lean on on the fault of coaching because I feel like that is that is obviously the the problem with LeBron and he started his entire career that he hasn't really had a, a prominent offensive coach. Like who
2: though? Who like at but, least I, Kobe I, I know, had Phil I'll, Jackson, I'll, right? I'll, I'll,
1: I'll say this though. I'll say this. The one thing that really does bother me though about the fans of LeBron is that a I don't really think they want him to have a, a prominent uh, offensive coach because if he if he had a coach that was one of the better coaches his numbers would not look the same which is another which is the second part to it is that if he had a coach his numbers would not be the same he would not have that same responsibility and so the arguments that many people try to make about how great he is it, a lot of it just it, it it's off the merit that he handles the ball and he does everything for the team that's great but if you're going to sit here and keep blaming coaching if he did have a coach, then those numbers that you cling on to to make the argument that LeBron is the greatest of all time, they would not exist because he would have to play in a system which would force him to sacrifice his numbers. However, he still doesn't. He, I mean, he doesn't have a great coach. I mean, that is something that is obvious. Tyloo is just not. He's not one of the better coaches, and I would make an argument that <laughs> he's. He still. I mean, he was an assistant coach for a reason. I mean, yeah, interestingly enough,
2: Lo. Uh, there's some some of course. There's coach rumblings in the NBA right now. It's a weird time to talk about it because everybody's focused about the playoffs. But if if you're first of all, Frank Vogel just recently got fired. Uh, if you're looking for a coach in the NBA, I'm saying either Frank Vogel or my guy Jerry Stackhouse. Well, I don't know if you pay
1: attention to Jerry at Stackhouse. I know he coaches Yo, for he, their, your G League team. No, no, I no, no, that. no, no,
2: no. But you should have seen the turnaround. From the year he wasn't there to the year he was there, they ended up winning the G League championship.
1: I know, I know, and, I, I know, man. I see it on NBA Reddit. I know, man.
2: Ever since he's been on the radar, people expected Toronto last year to drop Dwayne Casey and pick up Jerry Stackhouse since he was doing so phenomenal. I, I believe he, he's uh, he's had meetings with the Knicks and a couple other teams, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he's, de- he's not going to be in the G League much longer, right? I love it when like there's stories like that because he just we didn't know if he could coach. They put him in the G League. We found out, yo, he does a fantastic job. He's gonna get a shot on an NBA team, and I think if at least if I was a general manager, I don't know like the details about, and I don't sit here and analyze G League games. I don't think anybody does, but uh, that's a good point. Anyway, Lowe. So He's not, he not,
1: he not gonna be a coach for the Cavs, though. No, not the Cavs. No, no, not the Frank, Cavs. Frank Vogel the probably Cavs has are, the the best. Opportunity to be the coach for the Cavs, which I do think Ty Lue is going to step down because of his health situation. So that would make sense.
2: Uh, so Paul Pierce went on the air and said that the Wizards were going to be the Raptors. I'm mad how you
1: really <laughs> want to talk about this too, but go ahead. No, no, girl, no I man. don't want to talk about that. No, no, you do, you do. Major no, no, no.
2: Everybody listening to this podcast, you have to know this. Paul Pierce went on the air with all his bias. Because keep in mind, sometimes it may seem like I'm biased, but I know when to pump the brakes. Paul Pierce dead ass said that the 8 seed Wizards were going to beat the 1 seed Raptors. If that is not motivated purely by the fact that he used to play for that organization, and I believe he was on the Wizards when they swept the Raptors in 2014, then I don't know what is. But he, I'm just saying that he said that. And just remember that moving on in the playoffs because that's probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So. Uh, the Raptors are up 2-0 up against the Washington Wizards. And I, I guess, in my opinion, I think the Cavs should take a little, like, some notes. I know mean, there's a couple games, right? Agent, LeBron's going to pull through, whatever. Eventually, someone's going to start hitting their shots. Okay. But when you see players like C.J. Miles step up, 18 points in Game 2. And he even did, uh, he did a standout job in Game 1 as well. You see players like Kyle Lowry just locking down defensively. Bradley Beal had a poor Game too. John Wall shot, like, 5 for 19 or 5 for 18 in Game 1. And so you see... An example of an offense that used to just be like... Toronto Raptors were heavily reliant on talent in the past. And this year they switched it up and they're moving the ball around. Players like Siakam are getting minutes, balling out. Serge Ibaka is swatting the ball. DeLon Wright is looking like a star the way he's guarding John Wall. And so it just makes me really happy that we finally have an offense. Like, Lo, you don't understand because like the Hawks, like they've just been garbage for a minute, but... If you ever have a team like the Raptors that you're cheering for, and all they do is run ISO, choke late game situations, and lose in the playoffs, your heart just starts racing any time another team drops a bucket. And this year, it just I feel some sort of relief, man. I know it's the Wizards, but remember remember last year, didn't they struggle against the Pacers and they struggled against the Heat, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Uh, the Heat, if, I th- if I'm not mistaken, it was two years ago because you all got knocked out in the second round.
2: Oh yeah, it was, right. So last year was the Cavs. Uh, in the second round. I mean, anyway, interesting. I'll, I'll say
1: enough. this though. Um, I guess I'll start positive and talk about the uh, the Raptors real quick. The the ball movement is there, but I think, in my opinion, is the biggest thing and one of the biggest surprises for me entering this year was the um, the bench productivity. I wasn't expecting the bench to be as great as they are. Uh, I mean, some people can say that, you know. Why not? Because of the players that are on the on the bench now, especially really. CJ Miles. I don't think
2: anybody expected him. Yeah, to be not
1: like not. This I, that's what I was about to say. I don't think anyone expected him to be this great. I mean, this is one of the better benches, if not the best bench in the NBA. Consistent productivity. I love the ball movement, even when the bench is on the floor. They're not heavily dependent on one player, and I think. But I think the biggest reason why I like the bench is because a lot of those pieces are interchangeable with some of the starters on the floor. OG can go off the floor along with. Ibaka and Valanchunas, and you have players such as Pirtle and Miles coming off the bench, and they're still able to produce even with some of the starters on the floor as well. So that's definitely what I like about them. Uh, also, Demar Derozan had a, a great night tonight. If I'm not mistaken, what he had like 37. Yo, you see him
2: from the three point line? Yeah, he was
1: he was, he was <laughs> knocking down his threes. Something that many people. Yeah. We're really anticipating because he had some ups and downs throughout the entire regular season this year. But thirty-seven points from Demar Derozan on fourteen a 23 shoot in front of twenty-three shooting front the field. I mean, that that's what you need out of him, especially when you're looking at a team that could potentially give the backcourt some problems um, with Bradley Bill and John Wall. Someone had to assert themselves, and I'm, I'm happy Demar did. Um, but yo, I feel like you're
2: you're about to say something really negative. Oh no about no no Larry.
1: no 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 sir. Okay. Uh, and, I, and also no I was, before I get to Laurie. Serge Ibaka, even though the points weren't there, you can clearly see what his movement, off ball, space in the floor, knowing when to cut. Serge Ibaka is just a, a huge difference maker on that team.
2: He I, was he was plus thirty two in game two. Low.
1: Anytime he stepped on
2: the floor, the lead was going up. It's crazy.
1: And defensively, he was he was back in his bag. He had three blocks, two huge ones towards the end of the stretch when they were trying to come back in it. And so I I look at you know that team and I look at I like what I see. Um, but I mean, if we got to talk about Kyle Lowry, the shooting is just, that's, that's Yeah, that, that is. shooting that, that shooting's ridiculous. I know he had And it's, it's
2: bad shot attempts, too. It's like, yeah. they're in momentum. They're having, like, the crowd is going crazy. And Lowry will just pull up for a three with 20 seconds left on the clock in somebody's face. I'm like, yo, Lowry, it's not a good shot, regardless of whether it goes in or not. But yeah, shooting 30% this game. And he shot awful last game as well. Defensively, he's good, I guess. And he's been fantastic, actually. But offensively... And, and Lo, the thing is, I don't even know if Lowry and DeRozan are playing any better than they did last year in the playoffs. I just feel like because they're more willing to make the right passes now. and I'm because about to of say, the that's, that's the
1: reason why they're playing better, because they're making the passes. That, I mean, that's the reason yeah. why. That, that, that's, the, yeah. that's literally the reason why I would say that they're both playing better. But Lowry, Lowry has to, even if it's just knocking down threes, he has to make those shots. Like, he has to. And like you said, one, the, the, one shot, the, shot attempts, the shot attempts, the yeah. shot attempts are ridiculous at certain points of the game. But he has to make his shots because it's going to force the the rest of the, the opposing team to defend them completely different. If he is some type of threat, they're at the hard hedging the him
2: already, which is yeah. perfect all, all, for already, players like
1: already, yeah, already. And it, and it's and it's it's obvious too. It's not even like some we do it every now and then. It's like just completely obvious. They already have a game plan for Lowry and he's already playing into it. He has to knock down those shots, especially when he's getting it. But I will say this that the dribble penetration was still there from Lowry. I like some of the um dishes that he had and, and I'm not I mean, it wasn't the worst game, um, because he still had twelve assists and like I said that dribble penetration dribble penetration was there, but the the three ball has to start falling. But then when it comes yeah. to the Wizards though, okay, so let's so let's <laughs> So let me let me keep it a buck, and I said this last year. I said it in the middle of the season. Having guards such as John Wall who are just ball dominant and everyone else is just dependent on them, that is not – I don't know why people think that works, but unless you're LeBron where you're 6'8 and you're 280 pounds and you can get away with stuff like that, or unless you're Chris Paul, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history, more likely – and even Chris Paul hasn't really worked out for him – but unless you're one of the greatest point guards in NBA history and ball handlers, it's not going to work for you. John Wall is not a threat from behind the arc, and that's exactly how the Raptors are treating him, as he's not shooting. And even though he's getting his points, he's getting, getting to the free throw line, which I like as well, he's still is turning the ball over at a ridiculous rate, and everyone on the floor is dependent on him. Everyone is. I'm
2: trying to figure out why, though, because the more I watch the games, I'm trying to think, like, is it John Wall's fault? There's plays where, like, Whether it's DeLon Wright or Lowry, like he just blows by them and hits the rim. And you're like, yo, how come he doesn't do that every single play? But then if you pay attention, like you have players like Kelly Oubre. And Mike Scott had a phenomenal game too. But they have a lot of shooters around the floor that maybe the the Raptors are almost disrespecting in a way. Because they are very willing to collapse. As long as John Wall is not scoring and they're forcing the other guys to shoot the ball, Like they feel pretty comfortable that they won't hit that shot at a over like above average percentage and so I think Mike Scott had a good game in game two uh Bradley Beal didn't shoot too well but he had a good game in game one and so really it's just about making sure that John Wall doesn't get going and I don't even know if it's his fault though because I remember in game one in the first half I was thinking to myself like yo he's making the right passes people aren't hitting them or they're fumbling the ball when they catch it or it's just something going wrong in, in the second half, of course, he was just diving into players hoping to catch a foul call and it wasn't working out. Like The refs just weren't blowing the whistle for him. But I don't know if it's John Wall's fault, actually. I don't know whose fault it is. It might just be that the Wizards just aren't good enough as a team. I don't no, even know I, if we could pin I, I, no, it on now, John Wall.
1: There is one link with the Wizards that is just completely weak, but before we get on that, is it Kelly Oubre? It's probably Kelly Oubre. No, 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 no. No, no, absolutely not. I'll get into this man for a second. No, but it's, it's, John, Is just the way that John Wall plays. And again, I understand when you look at his box score numbers, it looks fine. But the way that he plays, very similar to what we just talking about LeBron, you cannot have it to where one player is dictating the shots and the looks that everyone gets. Like, it's, I guess it's, great to say that he has that ability to do so and down the stretch, it would help you. But during the games, you have to get people more involved. You have to give them more touches. Obviously, we're not expecting Bradley Beal to have, you know, a, a terrible shooting night like he did tonight. But I, I can't sit here and, and just, I mean, I, I mean I, I, it's fine what John Wall does, but there's just better ways for them to play. And the problem is that John Wall has never been expected to, nor do I even believe he can play the way that is needed, which is off-ball movement, allowing other teammates to create for himself, being able to knock down the open jumper, catch and shoot. Those are things he can't do. So because of that, it forces them into the system that they're playing right now. But the weakest link with the Wizards is Martian Gortat. Gortat. That guy has some ass cheeks low. He missed a wide
2: open layup in game two.
1: Every day of the week is Martian Gortat. That defense that he plays is trash. Like it's... I, I, I've never the pick and roll defense from Gortat is so bad it makes no sense. It is so <laughs> and literally in game two, I'm looking at it right now, twelve minutes. Because they he couldn't be on the floor and it forced um what's the what's the coach name? Um
2: Scott Brooks. Yeah,
1: Scotty Brooks. It forced him to go small which gave um Mike Scott way more minutes and I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck with that lineup, just put Morris at the five and put um Mike Scott at the four and space out the floor a little bit more because on a pick and roll defense and spacing out the floor, he's not running to the rim with any type of energy whatsoever. The rebounds are not there either. So if you're not doing any of those things, you need to stay on the floor. I mean, stay on the bench. And we need to be looking for you to be traded next year because there's just no way that you're going to be on this team. He's not
2: because nobody wants. What does Gortat have that any team would value? Like the answer is nothing. In fact, that's very rhetorical. Interestingly enough, Lo, like, you look at the the weak point in Gortat. After the first bit of the game, they barely even played him, subbed him out. I saw him bowl wide open layup, and I immediately thought to myself, yo, who is more ass? Is it Gortat or Monroe? And I had a fun laugh about oh, that no, by M- myself. no, M-
1: Monroe is playing fine. G- Gortat is just... I drunk. don't think so. I- I'll say this. Uh, Gortat uh, is at a point where he has to be a bench player now. He has to be. That's the thing, he
2: can't be. Because who's stepping up? Is it Mahimi or are they going to run small and stretch? Well, look, look, look. look, The fact that they
1: pay Mahimi that much money, it should be him. But, I mean, Gortat, at this stage of his career, because of his age, he's going to have to be a bench player. And he's going to have to bring some type of offensive energy coming off that bench. But him as a starter in today's NBA with the pick and rolls, the ball movement, especially with the Raptors, He's trash. Like he cannot, he cannot be on the floor longer than fifteen minutes, and that is yeah. that's a massive problem for them.
2: Yeah, and he misses wide open layups too. Uh, I feel bad for the Wizards. It feels like they have a, a, a like the team is just you know when you get like a puzzle low and like you spill all the puzzle pieces on the floor and then like you try and find the corners. They haven't found the corners yet. Low, like they can't even so get worried saying, about. the Are middle you of the
1: saying John Wall is not a cornerstone player?
2: No, I'm saying. Like, you, you, they found, let's say, like, there's four corners to the puzzle. Okay. They found one corner. One, the one corner is, like, bent and broken, is not working properly. And then the other two corners are just missing in action. In fact, half the puzzle isn't there anymore. You're working with, like, you're scraping at this point. They have players like Ty Lawson, who, although he shot decent from three, like a spot-up shooter, anytime he was handling the ball, trying to penetrate, you just knew it wasn't going to end out well, right? And it was a couple times where I was just thinking to myself, why is Ty Lawson getting this many minutes? And then you would see players like Bradley Beal come on the floor. And you'd be like, yo, this is Bradley Beal. He's going to shoot fantastic. And eventually, the Wizards are going to get back in the game. They made it close a couple times. And they made runs where, like, I think it was as low as seven uh, early in the fourth quarter, and then, like, Beal begins to miss his shots. He shot one for five from three and three for 11 on the game. And you're just thinking to yourself, like, damn, like, what could these guys do? Who do they sub in to help make this comeback a reality? Because anytime they even get remotely close, DeRozan's shooting an and one three. And then CJ Miles is doing a 360 three-pointer from, the like, 28 feet away and is right back to 13-point game. And it's... I don't know. I feel like they're missing a lot. They got to go back to the drawing board for sure, for sure. And I I just know if my name is John Wall, I'm going to start asking some serious questions about how they can build around me. It's been too long. This team's like John Wall and Beal have been on that team for too long to not have built pieces around them that makes more sense. You got players like Otto Porter, and he's been great, but Markeith Morris has even actually been solid. But you got to do a better job than that, man. You got to draft better talent. You got to trade and get some gems. Like, you see so many teams doing it, Low. Like, the Raptors are going 11 deep in the bench on the in the playoffs. And that's because they have the depth that allows for that. You look at teams like well, the Wizards, and it just looks like you're scraping at this point. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel bad for the fans, bro. They deserve better. I remember all the hype and all the promise and opportunity when John Wall was originally drafted. Everybody was going crazy that this team was going to be great in a few years. And it's been way more than a few years, and this team is still incredibly mediocre.
1: Well, I'll end. I don't know I'll end on this note right here. I think the the Wizards made a, a really, really huge mistake. The um, I guess it was almost like a a summer or two when they were kind of expecting. I don't. I don't know if they were expecting for Katie to come, but they were at least anticipating the idea that oh, Katie yeah, was going to be. Forgot about that. And, and so when that happened, they made moves such as bringing Scott Brooks. Such as space out the um uh, at least give some room in the cap space out that that cap a little bit, and they overlooked a lot of pieces. And once they weren't able to get KD, then they were forced to pay Otto Porter that ridiculous price without giving him some type of compensation the season before. Because I think I think it was on the table that Otto Porter would have signed um a smaller offer, but once. He had recognized that they had ran out of yeah. options, then they had no, they had no other <laughs> choice but to pay him the amount of money they need to be paid. So I mean I'm that thing to me that was the biggest mistake. And I think Scott Brooks is he's a he's a fine coach, but he's not one of the is better Is he? He's not one of the better coach. He's not he's not a good enough coach um in the NBA right now. Like he's he's just not. I think I think he might be a actually I don't want to blame.
2: I think it's more management than coach. You're right.
1: Yeah. he's <sighs> yeah, definitely more management.
2: Yeah, he's definitely more management. Uh, I think the Wizards are eventually going to win one game. I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep, but I think they will win one where, like, John Wall and Beal are on fire, and then the Raptors just aren't hitting the shots. Like, but the Wizards are giving up a lot. You can't give up 130 points. I was just, I
1: mean, that's that's any, what I was just looking at. 130 points. I mean, that's, that's, God that's it. terrible defense right there, I man. That's really all that was. I
2: remember, like, when I was in grade six, though. like, I remember, I think it was, um, it was Supersonics. I think it was Denver. They had a game where they dropped 148 points, bro. When I tell you everybody was talking about it, you couldn't run into a convo where people weren't talking about how a team dropped 148 points. I believe that was a number. So the fact that we're just casually dropping 130, Celtics dropped 120, and and it's just completely normal. It's not even like like it's not newsworthy anymore to drop that kind of number. Is I think that's kinda weird. Is it's very different from like a decade ago where that would have been a headline. I'm about to say, say the, the, the league wonderful. is I'm gonna
1: say the league is just changing though. That, that's the reason why
2: though. Uh, I guess you know more offense. You can't be yeah. Mad it's at more, it, the
1: league is changing. Also, but speaking of another right. team that dropped 130 was the um Sixers in a game one. What do you think about the Sixers, man? I, yeah, one I'm, game no, Twitter I, I, is I am gonna talk about this because I'm gonna get in my bag real quick. Cause I've been getting people hitting me up on Twitter. About oh you're hating on Miami. Let's get something clear here. Let's be very very clear. That first game said a lot about Miami. Goran Dragic, up and down player, only put out 15 points. Wasn't the greatest outing, but you shouldn't really be suspecting that much from or excuse me expecting that much from Dragic. Then you have Richardson, um, Tyler Johnson. Who are, who have just been completely inconsistent. Shout out to James Johnson though. Been a fan since the T Dot days, you know what I'm saying? I'm day one. You no, let me but chill. All right. Let me chill. Let me chill. But yeah, he he's been he's been fine. He's actually been great. And then they put Kelly Olenek in there to space out the floor. He's also been fine as well. Um Wade had a great night last night in game two that brought in that win and they almost they almost lost that that um they almost lost that game as well. But Wade he brought it on in.
2: He did it in 25 minutes, too, which is Which is
1: ridiculous about. and on crazy efficiency. And I think he only made one three-pointer. That that was ridiculous. But my man, Whiteside, let's get something completely clear here. Because there were a few people who hitting hit me up on Twitter. This is no hate to Prince Pro, Prince Prodigy. No, no hate on you, my man. I know you are a Heat fan. But let's get. I'm not started.
2: gonna lie, I saw that still. Let's let's <laughs> That's all you guys let's, let's
1: get something <laughs> completely clear here. Hassan Whiteside is not Rudy Gobert. He is not even Joel Embiid on a defensive end. I mean, I, I was gonna try yeah, to figure out someone else. Hassan Whiteside is someone who records blocks because of help defense, and casual fans. They look at blocks and they think that that translates to elite-level defense when there's multiple other big men in today's NBA who are better defenders. Hassan Weissad on the pick-and-roll is trash. Hassan side when it comes to running and crashing uh, off of a uh, pick-and-roll on the offensive end, is also bad. Hassan side laterally, when he moves, there is no movement. Hassan side complains... <laughs> Every single time, they don't throw him the ball in the post. And then as soon as they throw him the ball in the post, he airballs a hook shot with someone who is like two to three inches smaller than him. I'm telling you right now, because apparently Joel Embiid, he's upset that he's not getting his playing time, and rightfully so. So if you're telling me, because I thought Joel Embiid was actually going to be playing in game two. But if you're telling me Embiid is going to be in game three. Like I said in the beginning, I think I said his last podcast, or maybe two podcasts ago. This is it who falls on Whiteside because that is the whole purpose of Whiteside, right? To defend big men. So if Embiid comes in, because not, not really though, because he, he barely,
2: he, I don't want to say barely. Like just to put it in context, he had one more minute than Gortat did in both their games. And, and, like, and, 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 and is
1: Gortat that good of a player? No.
2: No okay. garbage. So
1: yeah. um, but I'm I'm just saying the argument for what Miami Heat fans are saying is is that well Hassan Whiteside he can't play because Embiid isn't out there and they're just running up and down and, and Hassan Whiteside he can't keep up. Okay then so
2: And he should be able to dominate down low, man. What you mean? He
1: should be he should be a go to scoring option for them in a half court setting when they cannot find any shots, but okay. Embiid should be playing next game. If Embiid goes out there and drops 25 on him, especially because Embiid is trying to tell people that he's ready and re- he's ready to go and he's fine to play. If he does that, Hassan Whiteside, especially that contract that you're receiving, oh, there's going to be some problems. And when that happens, because I do predict that it's going to happen, Miami Heat fans, including you, Prince Prodigy. I need you to be in my same my, my Twitter comments with the same energy. That's all, because that team, uh, that, Miami, that Miami, Heat team, is not as great as y'all think they are. It's some, it is the Miami Heat fans think they are. Let me be clear: majority of people still have the Sixers winning the, this series. But that Heat team, if you are relying on a D way to come back and have a flashback like he's playing in two thousand eight, that I mean, that's not going to happen consistently enough. It's just not.
2: The Heat fans are passionate, bro. They're gonna get on you for. All I that don't shit care what, what,
1: they, yeah. what they what they're gonna get on, but I mean,
2: I'm cheese, bro. You said there's a he reason. He had there's no a, lateral. <laughs>
1: he doesn't. He doesn't have any. I mean, but I'll, I'll even go as far as saying this: if you are a die Heat fan, there's a lot of there's a lot of them who know for a fact that Whiteside is not as great as a defender as some people try to make him out to be. There's a lot of Heat fans who know that, but just don't come to me telling me how Hassan Whiteside he can't be on the floor because there's no big on the floor. And then when Embiid comes back, all of a sudden he's going to be playing at an elite level. No, like that, that more than likely will not happen. They just won't happen. Yeah.
2: All right. Honestly, I don't feel like there's much else to say about this matchup. A lot of people, like, go back. Like, once one game Ben Simmons lights it up, next game, people, are like, oh, see, he can't shoot the three ball. Very limiting. But it's like, yeah, you know, if you just watch the games, he's been able to find ways to score regardless of the fact that he can't shoot a three ball. I have no doubt that Wade cannot continue that kind of play with that kind of efficiency in only 25 minutes. It's just inhumane. And maybe maybe he has a couple more games like that, and I think it'll be exciting to see. Because when he was grilling folks, dropping the buckets, it was very exciting to watch. Well, this, is, this is one of those series where I don't really care who wins. I just want to see good basketball. And so far, this series has been interesting because Embiid's been out. I know there's been a couple 76ers fans I've seen and talked to. They've been saying that Embiid coming back might actually mess up with the chemistry because they were rolling end of the season without him. And so it might not even necessarily be like you plug Embiid back and he's there off rip. We don't even know if he's going to play over like 20 minutes in the game based on like what his recovery is looking like. But I expect the 76ers to win, but I'm hoping that the Heat can make it interesting. Although I'm not that sure that they can.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this to end it off. I don't think Embiid is going to mess up the chemistry. What I think Embiid is going to do is force them to tr- is, is force them to play differently. Um, if you watch how they play right now, especially over the last sixteen games in the regular season, a lot of up and down, a lot of get the rebound, push the pace, a lot of easy buckets, fast break transition three pointers. That that's how they've been playing, and plugging back Embiid into that is obviously not going to be the same. However, I will say this. What Ben Simmons is able to do in short spurts when Embiid is on the bench may be able to be enough to kind of get them back in that flow of offense when Embiid is off the floor.
2: I don't even think that it's not about getting back in the flow. Like, in Game 2,
1: they were just missing shots they usually make.
2: Covington was just left and right turning the ball over, missing shots. Even Bellinelli and Reddick weren't even having great games. Those are all players that had...
1: That that game, yeah, I, I think people were just missing shots. But again, I think the whole Embiid thing is... Once Embiid is there, they're going to have to just slow down the pace, though. I think that's what people are referring to. Not necessarily missing and making shots. It's just yeah, the way they Yeah, and I play. think
2: it will create more opportunities for the shooters, too. The team works really well off-ball, and like it's a given. They got players like Redick and Bellinelli made for running around off-ball and finding themselves open. It kind of reminded me of Golden State, the way they're using the off-ball screens to find open shooters, especially in Game 1. Not as much in Game 2, but... I like, the shooting they have, with any team that relies heavily on shooting like the 76ers do, you will have off games, and then you can't overreact on the off games. I think that if they just get back to shooting average, let alone better than that, then they'll win the series. Uh, I think, I don't know what I scored this one at. I might have been 76ers and 5, but it could have been 6, I'm not
1: sure. I, 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 I had Sixers and 6. Okay, yep.
2: anyway. Um, shout out to the Heat, bro. Y'all putting up a good fight because... Uh, I mean no no of-
1: Wade is putting up a good fight that's who's putting yeah, up yeah Wade- <laughs> I
2: mean because
1: I mean if we're gonna keep it a buck uh Josh Richardson still hasn't been shooting well from the field um uh uh Winslow came off the bench and, and played some really good defensive minutes so I'll give him a break but Dragic that first game completely off Tyler Johnson is still not finding a shot either and again Hassan Whiteside, we're waiting to see the the appearance of Hassan Whiteside but Apparently he can't show an appearance unless there's another big on the floor. So now he now he's going to have the ability to not only guard another big, but arguably the you know what's best big in the about NBA. That, go ahead, go.
2: Like when Gortat went off and they were like Wizards running small, Jonas was eating food. Like if you're a big man in the, and Jonas isn't even like a phenomenal offense, he's just good on. He's not great, he's just good. And it's, if Jonas can eat on offense. Just because he's the biggest guy on the floor, come on, man. The contract White right Side has and the type of faith that the fan base and the people put on him as this defensive anchor. But he's, oh, he could also do this and that. Yo, you, you should you should be able to do a little bit more, man. And he needs more minutes, too. Like, inconsistent minutes is definitely, like, that would mess with me, too. Imagine you're getting paid big money, but Coach doesn't even trust to see you. He doesn't trust you enough to see you out there on the floor, especially when the game matters most. Like, that hurts, right? Then you have players like James Johnson who played for the— The reason he left the Raptors is because he was barely getting minutes. There was games of, like, 10, 20 in a row where he just didn't play. And then he would come back and play. That's just the way Dwayne Casey is. And so that's why he left. We knew he was a good player. He just didn't fit in the rotation. So when James Johnson gets 36 minutes and you get 15, you begin to ask some questions like, what the fuck is going on? And rightfully so. That might be messing with him. I don't know like what the tension or the talk is inside the locker room, but that has to be on his mind. You don't play 15 minutes if your name is on Whiteside and not
0: think about it when you're going to sleep. You just don't. Just play, play, um, better. Let's push- play,
1: play better and you'll get more minutes. That's all I got to say. <laughs>
0: What's up? It's Justin from the Driving Dish NBA podcast. When I was in 8th grade, I switched from wearing glasses to contacts because I liked playing the game of basketball. And ever since then, I've had to deal with getting contacts, which takes way too long. You have to sit in the waiting room for a really long time. It always kind of smells weird in there. That all changed when I found simplecontacts.com. You show them a picture of your prescription. You pick the brand of contacts that you use. You put in your address and they're on their way. And so much cheaper than going to a doctor every single time you you need contacts. Took me about fifteen minutes right before I left for work, and we're gonna save you thirty dollars off your first order with them at SimpleContacts.com/almighty, or use the enter code almighty at checkout. That's thirty dollars off your contacts at SimpleContacts.com/almighty, or enter the code almighty at checkout just remember this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam they only do a test that makes sure your contacts are going to give you 2020 vision they don't write completely new rx's or examine eye health
2: yeah that's also a really good point uh so there's the the series that i think nobody's talking about when Golden State Warriors and San Antonio Spurs. I'm not going to lie to you, Lo. I have about zero interest in this series at all. But what I do have interest in, Lo, and I and I really, I don't know if you knew this. Because I read this last night on Twitter. And just give me a second while I boot it up. Because I I didn't know shit like this went down. And the whole premise of it was that the team doctors said it was okay for Kawhi to get back. But Kawhi got a second opinion. Because if you remember last year in the playoffs, the team doctors said it was okay for him to be back. But if you think about it, obviously the team doctors don't have your best interests in mind. They have the franchises. So he went back out there and he re-injured himself. And apparently he has some sort of degenerative... I don't don't know what the right term was. And let me boot up the tweet because it will make more sense. But basically the reason Kawhi is not playing... Because not a lot of people know this because he refuses to speak out for whatever reason. Is because... The condition that he has can get very, very bad. It can end careers type bad. And it has for NBA players in the past. And there's this whole like article talking about why his injury, he needs to sit out. And although he was supposed to be out for around six months, it might be 12 because he has to be sure that he's healthy before he comes back. Or he's risking not only a check, but his health. He's a human being. He wants to be able to walk after his career without feeling intense amounts of pain, right? So let me read this out. Uh, hopefully, this is not too Did, long. Damn, I like a whole lot of shit because I'm going through my likes trying to find the shit I like. Last while, night.
1: while you look for it, I'll say this about about the whole situation. A part of me is a huge believer of if the uh, if if the player feels as if like he's unable to play, he knows his body more than the coaches does, more than the staff does. And this is a player in Kawhi who came back during a regular season, played nine games, and it just wasn't working. Like, it just wasn't, he wasn't feeling right. So, there's no need to, as as Miritich knocks down one of the coldest threes I've seen in a while with no beard face as. Um, as Kawhi, if he if he doesn't feel 100%, I wouldn't force it. Uh, I thoroughly understand the situation that the, the uh, Spurs are in, though. The Spurs are in a situation where Tony Parker and Manu they're still coming back trying to compete, um uh, trying to convince LaMarcus Aldridge that this is the team that he wants to be on and they're kind of developing some young talent and they feel as if they're deep enough to really compete with a few teams, but obviously missing Kawhi. He's just so great, he's so great of a player that regardless of the coaching, regardless of the the bench depth, regardless of who they have on their team, you need someone like that on your roster to play. And so I get I get it from there perspective as well, but I I think the one thing that, that is really bothering me with this whole situation is that um I just don't understand why the Spurs organization isn't more acceptance of accepting excuse me of what exactly is going on with Kawhi as if they're in a situation to really contend.
2: I think it's it's because of this, uh and I, I pulled it up Kawhi apparently has, and this is of course not going to be verified because Kawhi will never come out and say it, but he's unhappy with the Spurs organization because he feels that the doctors were trying to rush him back for the team's success. And these are the same doctors that okayed him last year and forced his re-injury. And apparently this wasn't the first time that doctors okayed uh, Kawhi Leonard and he got he ended up getting re-injured or just re irritating an area that was previously hurt and this happens apparently more often than not which i don't even know this is a thing uh where doctors say it's okay to go in and a player gets re-injured because they did it too early and it happens especially in football players do not give a fuck about their health where like they'll get hit and you guarantee they have a concussion but they'll lie to the doctor to try and get back into the game and it's like yo this is your health man you hear about all these diseases and then it's so many NFL players are now retiring early, and so I think this is just one of those situations where Kawhi is trying to avoid that. Uh, so apparently, uh, this is what they said: the setbacks have, the setbacks he had are directly related to attempting to rush him back too quickly with inappropriate rehab, even if he is feeling good, leading to further tendonitis and extending the timeline. So a lot of the reason why he doesn't want to be out there. And the reason he lost trust in the organization, the reason he's not there at the games. And Greg Pop, of course, voiced his disappointment with Kawhi saying he should be with the team and make more of an effort even if he can't play in the games. It might, and it's seeming like, just based on everything we're hearing, and at some point Kawhi's going to have to speak out about it, that he might be done playing for that organization, especially considering that Greg Pop might be too this year or whether it's next or whatever the situation is with him. And it's, it's, it's very unfortunate, because in an attempt for short-term success, you rush a guy like Kawhi back, and now you might have just hurt your franchise severely, because your franchise player now is unsure about his future with your organization, and it's your fault. And there was there was more to it, and he mentioned players like Grant Hill, and how a similar thing has happened, where he came back, and then, but, like, I didn't know that happened in the NBA, Low, and I don't think a lot of people knew that that happens, where they just... Because a lot of people's reasoning for why Kawhi should be playing is that the uh, doctor's okayed him. If the doctor's okayed him, he should be good to go. But he wasn't, and that's part of the reason why he he uh, got re injured. And that's what this season is all about, which is crazy. It m- blew my mind last night, man.
1: I'll say this: um, two things, and I'll, I'll be I'll be kind of done with this topic. You brought it up earlier in the season. We were doing a podcast about Popovich leaving. And I think again that is a story that many people are not talking about. That this could possibly be Popovich's last year coaching in the league. And if Popovich leaves, and then we're still talking about a situation where Kawhi is uncertain of his future with the with the team, a uh, uh, organization that is arguably the best ran organization in all the sports over the last two decades could potentially take a huge hit. This off season, huge. A, a huge hit, like a, massive a ma- hit. yeah, a massive hit. And when you're looking at how that team has been built, unlike times of past where they've really brought in some talented pieces and in deep in, in the late first round or in the second round, they haven't really done that. And so it's really just LaMarcus Kawhi and not to disrespect anyone else on that team. But I mean, everyone at this point in their careers, they are role players.
2: What Rudy Gay is a role yes, player. Yes, Rudy Gay is a role player, <laughs> and, and
1: so when, when that is the entire roster, and you're looking at moving on from those two pieces that are easily and, and and I don't even think it's debatable. Easily, the most important pieces to that roster right now, Popovich and Kawhi. That is something that's that's very appalling yeah. moving forward. And the second, very the sad. second thing very is sad. the reason why we're not talking about the series is because it's very obvious that. Um, who's born. Yeah, the, the Warriors are gonna win. Kawhi, I mean, not Kawhi, Clay had a, a phenomenal outing. Um, Very good. A, a ridiculously great outing, uh, game two, and so did Durant. They came back and won a game that uh, they should have won anyway. Um, but I don't. I mean, I just don't see how. What is
2: look, What is wrong with people believing that just because Curry is out? That the like the the Warriors were going to struggle like, because, what because for, you live what, on?
1: for whatever reason people don't comprehend when a team has been to the NBA Finals for three consecutive seasons and they're trying to make it to their fourth appearance the the stuff that happens in a regular season they don't really care I mean they they just they, they just don't care at all and and come to find out finishing second in the uh, in the conference might have actually been the best situation to be in because. You're playing a San Antonio Spurs team without Kawhi. And in the second round, you're going to face a team, either the Portland Trailblazers or the Pelicans. But you still get to avoid OKC until the until the conference finals, if they make it that far. And you get to avoid a Minnesota Timberwolves team that might have been able, well, that's definitely more talented, in my opinion, right now than the Spurs are. So you get to avoid some of the the, the tougher competition in the, in the playoffs. So that's fine. I don't know why people made a big deal about that. Who, who really cares about the regular season? Like, now, and if the thing they had that, Kevin Durant, oh, I'm
2: sorry to cut you off too. The, that is enough, the, right? That is enough to win that series. Exactly. Just Kevin Durant. The thing
1: that really pisses me off, though, is like LeBron coasts every single year in the regular season. And every single year, just like this year, everybody's saying, oh, just wait, he'll turn it on in the regular in the, in the postseason. But out of nowhere, a team that has Klay Thompson, Anthony Davis, all these pieces, all of a sudden, they don't what? know... I mean, not Anthony Davis, um, Clay Thompson, Draymond (laughs) Green, and Kevin Durant. A team with all of those pieces, all of a sudden, I don't know, man. I don't know how they're going to favor in the first round. Fuck out of here. Shut the hell up. So,
2: yo, Lo, before we move on, I want to read this out. This was posted by a Reddit user. Y'all know it's Reddit, so it's not verifiable. But it was interesting, and I actually checked up on it, and, and it seems to check out. He said, and I quote, Lo, if you mismanage degenerative tendinopathy I might be saying that wrong. I'm not a doctor. It sounds like you. It sounds like you are. It sounds m- like
1: you are. But you can go ahead and go well, it's, it's whatever. I'm tell you it's, right it's now. I definitely would have um, not said that correctly. Tendon tendonopathy.
2: Okay, I'm gonna say it like that.
1: If it, you mismanage
2: degenerative tendonopathy in an NBA player, especially quadriceps, listen. Whatever, I'll skip that part. You can have very bad things. An example of this is Blake Griffin. A quad injury that kept Blake sidelined the majority of the 15 16 season and playoffs was degenerative tendonopathy of the quadriceps that was mismanaged and led to a partial rupture of his quadriceps tendon. Even rehabbing this injury, Blake has lost some of his explosiveness and is still at a very high risk to re-injure that tendon. Because keep, like, tendons, there's not as much blood flowing through them. I had one exercise science class, so I know this. So anytime that there's a tear, let alone like a, a serious a serious tear, or it's completely gone, it's... It's very difficult. You First of all, you'll never be back to the way you were. Second of all, it takes a long time to regen. And he's saying that you're still, even when it does, at a high risk of re-injuring it. And so that explains why ever since uh, uh, Dwight Howard's first shoulder injury, uh, he's just been getting more and more shoulder injuries. We know this. It's not new news. But I didn't know Blake Griffin was one of the cases of a player who was mismanaged and as a result has... Uh, his career is kind of, I guess, not taken off as the way you'd like to expect. And he's still explosive, we know that, but he's not. He's not like once you, we know, he, y'all get what I'm trying to say. Anyway, face. that was that was a really good that was a really good comparison. Low, uh I want to switch topics at this point and talk about a different team. Man,
1: uh, can, we, can we talk about Utah Jazz? No, 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 we got to talk about this. this trail, please let me. No, 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 the trailblazers. We got to talk about. I don't want to talk no, about this. They that just series they low. literally just lost again. They just dropped two games at home. Oh, did the game finished. Yeah, is done. The Blazers oh, just damn. lost two games at home, and and to um, I'm gonna tell you right now, Damian Lillard, you looking kind of suspect right now, my guy. the The guy that's been talking the entire season, the guy who keeps saying that I'm underrated, and y'all sleeping on me. Just wait to the playoffs.
2: <laughs> and, and
1: and Dame Dame is my guy. Let's be a hundred percent clear here. I he'll sound. I like a guy right I now, with man. Dame the wrong way, but Dame, you what? looking crazy. And so CJ has been up and down too. But Dame, you looking real crazy. Also, we talking and people love to say how Dame is underrated. Drew Holiday is easily the most underrated player in the NBA right now.
2: <laughs> that dude is nice. Bro. Drew Holiday
1: just dropped thirty three on Dame. 58% from the field, 40% from behind the yard. While clamping up Dame in the process. Lo, I'm hey, going to hey, give you hey, this, bro. Hey, you hey, hey. To- playoff Rondo is alive and well. <sighs> 16 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. My guy was 2 for 3 from behind the yard tonight. Okay,
2: wait, wait, let me cut you off. I don't know about no playoff Rondo. Cut it out. You were cut right. He down. did he he did turn it up in the playoffs. Exactly. Although, like, I think game 1, he didn't shoot that well. Like, it's clear. And, yo, know, this is one of those series where, like, I don't know if you could pay me to watch it. I'm watching so much playoff basketball. This is the one series where I'm not really kind of... I'm not even remotely interested, actually. If Anthony Davis moves on, I think it would be nice. I think it actually... Actually, you know what? I might have to retract what I said last podcast, though. Because I kind of want to see Anthony Davis in the second round now. And it would be cool to see Dame there. But he's been there before, right? Uh, this team is playing well, man. Like, and it's it's really... And it's weird because a lot of teams you talk about, like the Raptors, live and die by their bench. When I tell you this team is top-heavy, they are fully relying on their starters to help get the double. But the thing is, and, I mean,
1: this, the same thing can be said about the Pelicans. I mean, literally, these these games... That I'm no, looking,
2: I'm talking about the Pelicans
1: right now. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, Portland port, yeah, port yeah. the same way as well. But, like, okay. literally, <laughs> if Dame just played well tonight, they would have won this game. That's, I mean, that's tough. I, well...
2: I don't know if it's that simple. You just you did one of those things where you just pointed out one variable and then blamed it for the result of the entire game.
1: CJ twenty two points, three for eight from behind the arc. Field goal percentage wasn't great, but he he attempted a lot of threes. Nurkic thirteen points, could have grabbed more rebounds, and but defensively he held his own. This this game, um, AD didn't go off the same way he did last game. Aminu fourteen points, four for six from behind the arc. My man Evan Turner was straight trash, though. I will give you that. I mean, but. I mean, He's. Wait, wait, just, wait. He's
2: trash every game really quickly. We need to very. Like, let's establish. Evan Turner is one of the most disappointing players I've seen in a very long time. I remember when he had potential at one point. I don't know how he still gets the minutes he does on the teams he does because he never performs ever. In fact, let me pull up his stats. I'm so curious how he did
1: on the season. Oh, tonight he, he. Tonight he had a, a Jeff Green game. 0 oh for, 0 oh, oh for, 0 oh for, for, <laughs> is that what we're calling yeah, it now? what Jeff Green did in that game, one, that was ridiculous. He, he went 0 for 6 from the Low. field, bro. Oh, actually, he's not
2: bad. He shot 44% from the field, 31% from three. Not bad. All right, whatever. I take eight points per game, whatever. Uh, right, but so yo, I don't want to talk yo, about this. No, 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 long. but
1: it's, it's just that. I'll say, okay, well, I, you don't want to talk, but I, I actually want to wrap it up like this real quick. All right, cool. Dane, you got to show up. This man played forty minutes tonight, seventeen points. That's that's just un- unacceptable. That makes absolutely no sense.
2: Before you do that, like AD played like forty minutes and he got what was it twenty two points? Yeah,
1: but he was he was well. Okay, here let me uh, let me be clear because I want to k- keep this really consistent with how I judge and critique players. Um, if you're if you're not going to be on the floor playing defense like Dane does. You need to be playing offense at an elite level, especially if you're playing 40 minutes. But on the, on the flip right. side, I I'll, I'll give AD a pass if he's not scoring that much because the way that he plays defense. You know, he's an elite level defender. So I give them a pass. But when I was watching the game as we was having, you know, the pod, the first part of the pod, the whole system, the, the whole way that the Pelicans played was, you know, anybody else can score outside of Dame and CJ and even the shots that Dame was taking – was just complete trash, and, and Dame just has to play better. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, Miritich has been great for this team. And It was a huge pickup for the Pelicans. I, I got to give them a lot of props for that right there. And um when it comes to uh, um Rondo, man, no entry passes that he has is, oh, my goodness, is butter. This man, AD, just runs down the court, posts up. And this man, um, Rondo, is literally passing him the ball in the post. Entry passes from across the court, from the half-court line to the post. It's like it's, re- it's ridiculous how great of a passer Rondo is. So I've been be sleeping on Rondo, I'm not going to lie. It's time for me to wake up. But this man, Drew Holiday, man. You're telling me, Drew, Drew Holiday, low-key, all-defensive team. Drew Holiday needs to make an all-defensive team, especially because so many players have been injured this year who normally would make it. But Drew Holiday, man, he might need to make their all-defensive team. But, yo, 33 points in 38 minutes? Woof! Well, that man, Drew Holiday balling. And apparently it's supposed to be Dame time? That man, that man Dame, he must have forgot about uh Daylight savings. He can turn his clock back.
2: Oh, he's so corny. That's too corny. It's too corny. Right. It's
1: too, not, corny. No. It's too, corny. Oh, it's
2: too corny? Yo, I guarantee at least half the viewers are hitting the face palm right now. I don't know. They might be driving, <laughs> they might be in their kitchen. It's a face palm going on. Yo, let's switch it up. I'm going to talk about these Celtics, man. This is a team that I knew oh, be was going to make.
1: You be talking about your guy, Dane. That's when we need. T- I mean, um, Giannis. My guy, when did he become my guy? That's your—you always defend him when he plays bad, saying that he's only played basketball for three years. That's your guy, right?
2: No, I've never said it, let alone like that. First of all, uh, I—we—we we did our bracket challenge. By the way, shout out to everyone who joined. Uh, lo. By the way, I had to find out through Twitter that you opened that shit up. I, I was like, you didn't even send me like a de- like a Skype message with the link. <laughs> like, I found this shit on your Twitter like twenty minutes up, twenty minutes past. I'm like, we're doing a bracket challenge. A <laughs> Besides the point, I had Boston winning in five, and I was I was being kind of generous with the five because a lot of guys that like would never watch the games look at on paper and think, hey, Kyrie's gone. Dealing with injuries, of course, uh, Hayward's not there. Oh, this should be easy work for the Milwaukee Bucks since they're healthy. They have Jabari back now. Chris, By the way, Chris Middleton all of a sudden was just hooping, uh, especially that massive shot he had in, in game one. But the Boston Celtics, like I'm saying, bro, Brad Stevens is like a, I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, but it's a mix of like Jalen Brown stepping up, Terry Rozier is like, he's like Kyrie 2.0, oh, my God. When I tell you he's whooping, he's no fear low. I've I've never seen anything like it. Just pulling up for the big shots. Granted, in game one, he gave, I believe it was Brogdon, what I think was a game-tying shot. And it was like just a blown coverage of him playing too much help when he shouldn't have. He made up for it by hitting the shots when he needed to hit the shots to help win game one. Bro, it's incredibly fantastic to see young players on the Celtics. A team that I dislike. But they have exciting players on there, and they're making it work even with all the injuries on that team. Uh, first of all, Lo, what did you have the Celtics winning by? Because I can't imagine you had the Bucks. No, I had. And... I, no,
1: no, no, no. I had the Bucks winning the series. What I had the Bucks winning? I think it was either? six. Ah, go ahead, y'all. Either, send either, me those either, emails. Either six, either six or seven games. Um, send me those emails. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, and go ahead and finish what are you gonna say, though? Go ahead. And finish what you're gonna call say.
2: me agent zero zero at gmail.com. You can send me any kind of email reminding me that Lowe doesn't know what he's talking about. How could you ever believe the Bucks would
1: win? In because, what? Because continent? because Kyrie's out. Marcus Smart is out. But
2: did you watch? Did you watch the end of the season for the Celtics with Kyrie out? That's
1: regular just, that's regular just, season.
2: I get that, but it's, if if that was proof. That these guys can score without him. They dropped
1: 120 no, they, points. They, they, were, they, without... they, were, they were barely scoring without him. I don't know what games no, you No, but watching.
2: you know they have depth, right? So, what, I don't know how you could bet against the Celtics in this situation. Lo, I can't believe you did that. Actually, that, that's... Like, in, in, like Horford sits out, but then Jalen Brown, is, Jason Tatum is stepping up. Like, they have so much guys that could just put in work.
1: I... Yeah, they, they weren't. I'm, I'm I'm looking impressive. at it right now. In, in the last like few months in this regular season, first of all, even throughout the entire season, they were a below-average offensive team. Offense was not their strong. Suit. It was the defensive side where they were uh, playing at an elite level. They they finished first in the NBA in defense. But, okay, t- so what what was the reason why you saying that the reason why you picked the Celtics? Because be- when Kyrie f-
2: got and- injured...
1: I immediately thought to myself, who's going to run
2: that offense? Then I I got curious. I started to watch the games. And then you saw a player like Terry Wazir just bawling. And previously, remember, there was a moment, I believe a couple years ago, where I thought he was going to get cut from the roster. And he was very, very low. Might have been the 13th man. Uh, He was there with another uh, shooter. I forgot what his name was. It might have been RJ Hunter. And I thought to myself, like, I don't even know why they still have him on the roster. But for whatever reason, they ended up keeping him. He works his way up. And then he gets the time to shine, right? He, he gets a chance to prove himself and he did exactly that, Lowe. I don't. did you miss the games where over and over again he was proving that he could handle this team? In the and last, the, he's not no Kyrie Irving. In, in the, he's definitely not a closer, but yo, it's the Bucks. So I'm like, yeah, of course they're going to beat the Bucks. The, it's going to be by five. The Bucks are playing horrible. In the
1: last 2 months, they averaged around 102 to 103 points. They were not. I right. mean, scoring wise, they, I mean, even with Terry Rozier playing better, that team still wasn't one of the better teams in the NBA scoring wise. And even because I'm about to look at what Terry Rozier was doing in his last twenty some games. Let me see real quick. In the last twenty, let's just say twenty two games. Just, in the last twenty two, you're you're looking at no. I'm just saying the last twenty two games is not like Terry Rozier fourteen point score. So it's not like he was doing that. He had a few nights here and there where he was. Playing great, but he also had games where he was shooting well under, under well below forty percent, and those which are, is, and those which are,
2: is expected.
1: Okay, so what 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 I'm, in, what I'm saying is just because Terry Rozier is starting to be a consistent, starter, but it's not just him though. Who else? It's not just it? him. He's just the one that it's not like it's not like, the it's thing not like is, is, was playing all that great in the second half of the season. Jalen Brown, you can okay, you can give me that. Jalen Brown was yeah. Sure, Jalen yeah. Brown, I'll, I'll give you that. But I just assume. But no,
2: this is the this is the thing at the end yeah, of the day the bucks were coming in rusty like and i don't know what it is about that team somebody has to really break it down and find the reason but they're not playing well and you're looking at the best defensive team in the nba going up against a team offensively who still doesn't know how to consistently get buckets they go on on runs where they just don't score buckets for minutes on end and it happens consistently and so of course the defense is going to be there and the question is the offense. A lot like actually the Utah Jazz, where you know defensively they'll be straight, but can they score on offense? And the answer is yes. It'd be one thing if they were playing the Raptors or the Cavs, but they're going up against the Bucks. low. how could you bet against like Jesus man? <laughs> God damn it, yo! I
1: can't believe you. This did. man, that's uh, an right, let, so let me let me, let me, let, me explain, let me explain let me explain why. Go ahead, why I won't try with it. Them. I went with them because a. Um, Kyrie being out along with the fact that Marcus Smart is out and along with the fact that even before the season I mean series began it wasn't clear how many games that Terry Rozier was going to play because he was in and out of the lineup as well so I wasn't 100% sure what they were going to walk in with but even with those injuries with Marcus Smart and Kyrie Irving if we're just talking about strictly talent it heavily favored the um the Milwaukee no it did no it did because aside from Giannis who Chris, Chris Middleton Chris, Chris Middleton's playing fine. Eric Bledsoe? Yeah, Eric, yeah, Chris well one, Chris Middleton's playing fine this series. So it's not like it's crazy to believe that a, a team with Giannis, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, coming off the bench Brogdon and Jabari Parker, that team isn't talent-wise just on, as good man. as compared to what they what they were going up against, especially when two of two of the best guards on the team in my opinion. I mean, if you want to throw Tay Rozier in there, then two of the three best guards were injured between Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart with the Boston Celtics. And I guess if Jalen Brown is a guard, I guess throw him in that conversation as well. But that I mean that was just my thought process, that even though coaching-wise, it heavily favors the Celtics, and even execution-wise... No, you're the
2: guy who says like players like Jay Crowder come from the Celtics and they don't play as well because they're not running in that system. You knew that a lot of these guys benefit from
1: just because it, you, you can coach a team to wherever they need to be coached, and I get that part. But when you're just talking about strictly talent, we're talking about talent because it's so much. Why? Talent, Why are you I'm judging based because, off because talent? It, there's, I mean, Giannis is supposed to be that great of a player. If Giannis is a top ten, many people try to say top five player, then he should be more than enough along with contributions from um, um, Chris Middleton, uh, Jabari Parker. Eric Bledsoe, and that—that's really it. As long as you can get contributions from like two to three other players, along with Giannis having a great game, you should win that series. The problem is, though, is that the coaching is so bad, and the lack of execution on both offense and defense is hurting the Bucks so much that they're actually losing the series. That, in my opinion, they should be winning. Mil- Milwaukee in the half court <laughs> cannot score at all. Like it's—it's it's ridiculous.
2: Because aside from Middleton, even with Brogdon back, that team is not a good three-point yeah. shooting team, especially yeah. relative to the rest of the NBA. And they're going against the—, the low, when I tell you the best defense, they got players with all kinds of length on the Celtics. But do you think the
1: Celtics are going to be the Sixers, though, in the second round?
2: I think it's going to be close, but I think the 76ers are going to win. And, when,
1: and, I, and how, I don't know and if a games, lot of people think it's going to be close.
2: Just— I'll have to check to see what I said before. Let me... Because see,
1: I don't, I don't even like think... I, I don't think that series is going to be close because how much this, the 76ers actually execute on both ends of the floor as well. But I just look at the... I, look uh, at,
2: I had the 76ers in six. Okay.
1: I, I think I had them in five or six myself. So I don't, I don't know how you can be that bad. And I, I put a tweet out like... I put a tweet out as well about my appreciation for LeBron grows when I see certain players like Giannis struggle on the team when he has to do a little bit of it all because LeBron has been doing this for so long. Maybe I did just expect that. And even not even just not just LeBron. Um Jason Kidd, when he was with the Nets, I don't think Byron Scott was one of the better coaches in the NBA. Even though I know he won coach of the year that season, I still don't think he was one of the better coaches. Um Chris Paul, when he was coached by Byron Scott, um ironically enough, when he was with the Hornets, I don't think he was I think he was in a situation where it wasn't that well-rounded of a group around him, either. I mean, as well. When you look at certain players who just are able to ascend a certain level, and they're able to just overcome whatever adversity is put in front of them, simply because they're that talented of an individual with the help that is around Stop. them. You keep I focusing
2: don't... on talent. Why do you do that? Because, in a team because sport. it's team sport.
1: Agent, you're acting like Eric Bledsoe is not talented. You're acting like Chris Middleton is not talented. If it's, if it's off talented. talent,
2: the Cavs are winning by 30 each game against the Pacers. If it's off talent, the San Antonio Spurs would, like, they would be getting, and they are getting, but it'd be like. about to say, points. yeah, they getting, they get
1: annihilated, yeah.
2: If it's by talent, the Oklahoma City Thunder would be routing the Jazz, and it wouldn't even be a contest. Like it's it's never about talent. Oh, it's the, about but how the, well
1: but those all those teams outside of maybe San Antonio have more talent than the Celtics do right now. I don't. I don't here's the thing. I think because also okay. What's, okay, what's, how, what's how, how talent? OKC lost by like what? I mean, OKC won by like what? Ten points or something. How close was that game?
2: No, but it was it was a, it was a close game. too. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I. I mean, really part of the reason why, and we'll get to that. Actually, we'll get to that afterwards. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a little disappointed, in you know. I thought, I don't even know, like, there was a possibility you would go for the Bucks. But I'm, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going to
1: just say right now, <laughs> I, I can't, I got to look at, as a, as an individual who speaks highly or thinks highly of Giannis, I have to, I can't, he cannot be in the conversation of being one of the top five players if he cannot overcome a Boston team that is riddled with injuries. I agree. Like he, he just like you you cannot put him in that conversation. You can't I because agree. there's been yeah. plenty of players. Uh, another great example is um Kevin Durant when he was being coached by Scotty Brooks. That Scott Brooks was not a good coach. Um what's what's his name? Russell Westbrook went down. They still won that series and then went to the second round in a tougher Western Conference. I you, you there's no way that you can sit here and make a convert an argument that he should be a top five player if he cannot win this series. There's just absolutely no way. There's no way.
2: I agree with you on that. All right, Lo, uh, let's move on to this OKC series. Now, only oh, wait, 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 one wait, game wait, wait, wait. has been...
1: Thawne Maker, you're trash. But go ahead, go, man. He is. He's
2: very, He's very, very, very trash. He's trash. Not wrong about that. Lo, man, only one game to speak about here, so I don't want to, like, go too crazy. But Paul George, of course, had a fantastic outing. Eight for 11 from three was dropping all kinds of buckets, which, of course, made me happy. He's still, by the way, one of my favorite players in the NBA. I don't, I don't know so why. So I'm a little conflicted. Why,
1: Keep going. Keep
2: going. I think <laughs> I want the Jazz to win, but then I really want Paul George what? to do well. So, like, anytime I – yeah, it's I'm in, I'm in a weird spot where if either team wins, I'll be like, all right, whatever. It'll be interesting regardless. Uh, so what, what do you make of what happened game one? Now, don't go into any crazy uh, – Predictions based off one game because, of course, we know low that Paul George will not continue shooting. Why like not?
1: Wait, why, why, why is he not gonna keep shooting like this? Who's who continued? Who shoots 65%? Aside is from he Deion gonna the shoot Jordan? like four? Let's say he shoots 48%. Can he do that? I don't know. I Man, don't know. You I've know, never you seen know him. why he's not going to. I never seen him as a you second know, option you know on a team why, in the playoffs. I you know before. why he's not going to, agent. So let's keep it a buck. But
2: okay, so that's the thing. So we talked about in the last podcast. About how OKC's inconsistency is will kill him, so they have to find a way to get either Paul George or Carmelo to step up and Russell Westbrook to be more efficient. So in game one, Russell Westbrook shoots forty percent, Carmelo only shoots thirty eight percent. Although he got off to a hot start, but Paul George was just he putting got in off. Carmelo got off to of the,
1: a hot start and then cooled down so quick it made absolutely no sense.
2: You know what's funny? Because I missed the second half. I had to watch it back afterwards. I was like, how did he end up shooting 38%? Because last I watched, like he was just dropping everybody off. So, low, who, who won the game? Why? Who won the and game? who lost the game? Why? Who won
1: the game? No, like, okay. what is the reason? who won what is, the like, game. Why they won it? Because they scored more points. And who lost the game? Don't do that thing, bro. Don't, don't be so... I mean, I'll say, I'll say this about Utah. I, I just don't... I don't think they may not have enough options offensively, even though they scored 108 points, and I think that's that's great for them, especially as they try to dictate the tempo, um, but they, they got to find a way to win games, and obviously you can sit here and say okay. that if, 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 um like we said, Paul George didn't have the night that he had, then it would have been a totally different type of game because they only lost by eight points, so there there's that answer. But if Paul George didn't have that game, then it might be a little different, mm-hmm. but I mean, Carmelo's shooting 38%. That could be a consistent thing. That I mean, that is something that I could kind of be like, Melo, I can see him having one or two really great games, especially if this goes to like seven a seven-game series. But Melo being inconsistent, I can see that. Forcing Russ into tough shots and him shooting low 40s, I can see that as well. And so if you can get the same type of productivity scoring-wise from those two players and just pray and hope that Paul George doesn't have another outing like that, then that's fine. And you, I mean, that, that's one way you could win. But on the flip side, and I mean, I, I give all the praise to Donovan Mitchell, but I don't, I don't know if he could have another night like he had that first night. If he can, then that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy. I'll one. let
2: you know right now. He can. That, that's crazy. I I disagree with you a lot because there's no way that OKC will continue to get that much point. They will not score one sixteen every game against the Jazz.
1: That's not that and much though. That's not, that's not that much in today's league. It is in today's it is. It league. It still is. No, yes, that's, it that's is. not that much.
2: And keep in mind, and I think this is the only reason the Jazz lost, and and, and a lot of it comes down to the one and only, your favorite player, Ricky Rubio, who every <laughs> single time I'd look at the screen low was wide open for a shot yeah. and bricked yeah. it. It's unbelievable. He ended up shooting 5 for 18, which is literally almost as bad as John Wall who shot 5 for 19, except Ricky Rubio doesn't catch double teams every time. He's, 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 he's shooting like that open. Lo, you can put me on the basketball court and, and I will shoot no, 5 you, you for you 19. You shoot
1: worse than he is. Cut the cap.
2: You're right. I might do 4 for 19, but I've no, giving. I've been would giving Rubio 0 for run for
1: 22. That's what you would shoot agent. Cut it out.
2: Guarantee you I wouldn't. Here's what I'm trying to say. Rubio is shooting straight white releases. He cannot hit a green light if his life depended on it. I think that that won't continue and I know he's not a great shooter. I'm about to say, There's no way he continues let me tell to you shoot right now. No, 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 but just low, low, low. At a certain point, you're going to hit some of the shots, right? You don't have to be a great shooter, but you're being left wide open. Like DeLon Wright, they're just, Wizards are just leaving that guy, and he's hitting his shots. And he's a guy, characteristically, throughout the season for the Raptors, who wouldn't consistently hit the three ball, but he's doing it in the playoffs because they're leaving him open. If you're an NBA player, especially a guard, in 2018, and you're missing open three-point shots all the time, you are the reason your team is losing. So I think it's a combination of both Rico Rubio's full play and also uh, OKC just had a great game. And I don't know if they can consistently do that. But if they can, they'll win the series. I just don't see them doing that against the Jazz defensively. Maybe against the Trailblazers. Maybe like, you could give them a couple teams where they could just drop all kinds of buckets every single game. But it's, it's not going to happen with Gobert in the paint, right? And so it really just comes down to Rubio hitting more shots. Every time he bricks, OKC is on the run. Incredible fast break team, and then it's, it's, it's just straight buckets. You're making it too easy. Like, well, I'll, I'll, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll man, say this, Ricky though. Rubio. For, lo, 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 lo. Why is he still in the NBA? What does Rubio do? What am I missing? Occasionally he hits a good pass. Why do not you rather have Ray John Rondo on your team? Wasn't he a guy that nobody wanted for the longest time? I don't get why he's getting 31 minutes in 2018. Well, they don't really they don't, they don't have it.
1: another guard, but. I, okay, so two things. One, I think we agree on the fact that Paul George isn't going to have another game like that, or at least. Expect- no, yeah, you, I didn't yeah. agree on that. You agreed on you, that. You know, I mean, you know, he's not going to shoot no thirties. You just say- I don't think he's going to yeah, shoot like what, that every game, saying, yeah. but he will have games like that. But he's not going to shoot that great. That's what I'm saying. And so, okay, yeah, we, no one's going yeah, to shoot- So, yeah, so yeah. we we know that. The problem is that I don't know. I don't know if Westbrook is going to have an entire series where every single game he's shooting forty percent though. So he he, I believe he's going to have a game where he just shoots great from the field. But
2: why? He shoots that a lot. Like, I mean, but he, even, not even, even though he
1: shoots that a lot, he still has games every now and then where he just, he starts high, um, um, heating up and he hits his mid range jumpers around the elbow. He knocks down a few threes and that kind of push, pushes them in a situation to win. I think that they, if you're OKC, I think you can ride off the wave of, especially just in the first round where, okay. Uh, Paul George has a good game this game hopefully in two more games Russ will have a great shooting night and then maybe we'll get a little bit out of mellow in in one game or a great game from Adams and then it will work in our favor whereas in Utah again I mean I understand what you're saying with the Rubio thing and I 100% agree with you when he's coming off those pick and rolls and every single time or you're not even just pick and rolls they're defending him way below the, um, the three-point line because they know he's just not going to attempt them like that. And so when when you're defending yep. it like that, it shrinks up the floor. It makes it much more difficult for anyone to get off what they need to get off. Ricky Rubio and, and Rudy Gobert pick picking roles, especially with Derek Favors on the floor as well because he's not spacing the floor either. That is just... that That's too much non-spacing but that, on the team. that's the
2: way they've been playing. Like, it's not new. It's, it's, it's and not, I know it's not, it's not ideal new. in 2018. It's not new,
1: but the problem is that when you're facing a team like OKC... That has the athletes to defend that correctly, then you're in a pro- you're in a, a huge problem. Also, I don't think they do also, though, but, uh, but especially also, since
2: Andre Roberson is not there. Who are those athletes that are going to defend I mean, it? Stephen Adams, okay. Say, a- Paul Adams, George, Paul George, and
1: Russ. That's it. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put Russ, but in I mean, that yeah, but and you, and don't, I, but you don't yes. have to be an elite level defender to go under screens on Ricky Rubio. That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could do that. You could give me that, right, Lo? Could I go under screens on yeah, Rubio? Rubio
1: would just blow right by you anyway. So what I'm saying so what I'm saying <laughs> is though, if you're going under screens, it's not like Russ has to read anything consistently or he he's not getting multiple looks with another guard. It's Rubio. Just go under screens and bait him to shoot threes and you'll be fine. And so what I'm saying is that the way that the Jazz have been winning throughout the entire season has been off of defense. It has not been anything to do with scoring. But the problem is, though, I don't know how much scoring you're going to get from this team. Because, I mean, it was really just Donovan Mitchell who put up 27 points in his debut. I don't know how that's going to happen for another at least four more games for them to walk out this series. And that's my and that's yeah, my I whole problem need... with, with them.
2: Well, they don't have the ideal lineup for 2018, but I don't think that's going to be the reason... That they don't find a way to make it past. They the would, first round. but they have, but they uh, they have
1: to score though. I don't think you're ever going to get in the point where you're going to hold OKC. No, but it's ideal for them. Points, when The though. pace
2: slows down, and it's you're not, about you're not, defense you're not in the playoffs. OKC to
1: 96 points, that's not going to
2: happen. That is not going to happen. I mean, but you don't have to. You could hold them to 105, and that's a W. Like Jazz can score 105, and, and they could. They like, bear, and, They scored. They scored
1: 108 last night with Donovan Mitchell putting up 27.
2: But don't do that thing, bro, where you look at an individual player. So who, but, I'm just, but I'm, I'm just asking,
1: questions. what other player that night was is going to play so much better, so much, is going to play much better to where you're expecting more points out of them? Like, what, it, which player? It really
2: depends on how OKC plays him, right? And so if, if Ricky Rubio ends up making shots, he's opening he's up not, the he's for He's not of going the to
1: team. make shots, though.
2: If, if, all he has to do is create openings. There's plenty of ways to do that. You can make yourself a threat from beyond the arc, or you can prove like players. And, and because he doesn't have the length like Ben Simmons or Giannis, he can't just get away with driving and being in And explosive. so he can't he so he, he can't. He can't part, I that. think that's part of the reason why he's even in the NBA, that and his passing ability. But I, I don't – and I think maybe this would help is just giving him less minutes. I don't think he should be on the floor as much. So who, so like, who like, are you I would, putting in I'm there? Like,
1: if you're taking Ruby a while, who are you going to put in there on the perimeter? Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're saying Mitchell plays more of a point guard role, which is fine.
2: I was thinking more Exum, but... That's even, not... But if Mitchell you put
1: Exum, Exum out there, you, you're still not getting floor spacing.
2: But th- that's not the problem. It's the ability to attack the hoop when you don't and have Exum floor is spacing. is not
1: going to beat so, Russell Westbrook off the dribble. He's not... Nobody's beating Russell okay, Westbrook so off what, the what dribble. Are, what are
2: we saying? He's going to explode on who? But it, the basketball is more complex than that. Here's what i seen when I watched the game. Every single time it boiled down to Ricky Rubio could not hit a shot and the team was relying on him to hit the shot. Still, though, Donovan Mitchell dropped his buckets and the rest of the team did their thing throughout the game. Although some of them just shot straight up inefficient. But I just think that's the one. They have one problem, though. If they could even correct him to shoot 35 percent from the field, then we're talking about a real game here. So I don't I don't know. I, I think because you see an eight point uh, victory when when the a lot of things happen at the end of the game that makes the game look distorted if you're just going to look at the final score like the raptors blowing out the wizards but it made it look like it was kind of close cuz they had lorenzo brown in there in the last minute and the wizards made a run with the last 2 minutes left i i don't i'm not worried for the jazz i'm still confident that the jazz can win the series and i i know for a fact the thunder will be inconsistent in the playoffs i just don't know if the jazz can score enough but we are literally saying when, the
1: same thing, but you're not. I'm 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 confused to where the disconnect is. If your fear is that you're you're concerned about the Jazz not scoring enough, that's my fear with this team as well. That they cannot. But score But I think enough. the
2: problem. All right, all right, whatever. We'll see how it goes. I just believe the Utah Jazz will win. Oh, uh, at the end of the day, I think, think they're going to
1: oh, win the series. Yeah. Oh, I'll put money on that. I will put money on that too, my guy.
2: You want to put money on the on the Bucks one too while you're at it? Hell no! <laughs>
1: that team is so fucking trash. Yeah,
2: and keep in mind, uh, OKC was home, man. So of course, this home court advantage. A lot of people forget about when they're talking about. Okay, um, so so, was only so Boston was time. home, <laughs> but but they want both. Like you got to take at least one from the other guys. Damn it! Like you can't lose both first games and expect to come back, man. You really got to glow up as a team to pull that off. All right, love, I want I want to talk about. Uh, the last series is the Rockets and the Timberwolves. Though interestingly enough, a lot of people criticized the Raptors because they barely beat the Wizards in Game One. But when the Rockets barely beat the Timberwolves, I didn't hear anything. So if you're a Rockets fan, should you be worried that the Timberwolves will mount a
1: comeback and somehow win the series? No, because they're not well coached enough to do so.
2: What's up with you in like well coached, man? Is that the...
1: Because I'm starting. I'm, star- I'm starting to weird. realize how much how much coaching actually matters. <laughs> In the NBA in 2018. I mean, because, I mean, I mean, I, I, when I was watching that game, it was just so many times they were switching on Towns. And, like, no one was throwing him the ball in the post. And I was like, that is the most... At all. That's the first time thing that I've seen in my life. Low,
2: last podcast I brought up Thibodeau and his, his lack of play calling. Like, there's plenty of times where he's on fire. Just give it to Cat down low and then Cat won't see the ball for, like, five minutes straight. And everybody's asking, why don't you go back to the guy that's working? He's, and and you, I remember you saying something like, but I don't I want to blame the coach. You said something like that on the last podcast. And I was like, no, the coach was messing up. Wiggins was standing there like a pylon the whole time. And Cat was on fire, but he wasn't touching the ball. That's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, Houston's one of those teams that are just hit or miss. And when they're missed, like, it looks ugly. It looks, it looks when they're really, hitting, really ugly. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Houston's just a team that finds a way to get wins. Honestly, this was the one series where I believe it could be a sweep, but I think I gave the Timberwolves one game. I had the Rockets. And,
1: and and last game was probably the only game that the Timberwolves probably could have pulled off. I guess you would label it an upset because how poorly P.J. Tucker, Trevor Reeves, and even Chris Paul shot from the field. And Eric, I'm looking at it right now. Eric Gordon shot one for seven from behind the arc. That that is, I mean, it's you, when you when you have an opportunity like that, you have to capitalize on that opportunity because more than likely that's not happening anymore. More than likely they're Look going at, to start making check their these players. numbers out,
2: Low. Eric Gordon was one for seven. Gerald Green was zero oh for three. Chris Paul was one for six. This is from yeah. three. PJ Tucker was 1 for 5, Trevor Ariza was 0 for 4. The only person shooting well from 3 was James Harden last yep. <laughs> well a couple days ago. <laughs> just that one guy who carried, dropped 44 points, man. Yo, I'm I was watching game 1 low and I had like a happy thought, man. I just thought to myself like, bro, Clint Clint, uh, Clint is going to come away with a nice bag after this year, man. Like how he's been able to establish himself from like just a fifth option on a team We're like, oh, maybe you should add another piece to like that guy defensively locking folks down. And weirdly enough, not even being a liability on offense because he's always there hustling and getting those putbacks. But if you remember a lot, like even like it happened a lot with Shaq, he got really popular. But even Dwight Howard at times, you had to like be really careful about when you played him because teams would just hack him. And so it's weird that Clint Capella cannot shoot free throws and yet teams aren't attacking that weakness of his. He's still finding ways to be effective for whatever well, he reason. Not, he's not touching the uh, ball.
1: Plus, they, they changed the rule to where if you hack the player who doesn't have the ball in their hand, the uh, the team gets to choose whoever... No, will. the rule's always been like that. No, it, 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 it hasn't been. Day. It hasn't always been like that. No, it hasn't always been like that. But what, I, what, but what I'm saying is that he doesn't even touch the ball anyway towards the end of the game unless it's coming off a pick and roll.
2: No, I mean, aside from Harden, who does? Right? I mean, I that's, like that's
1: what I'm sure. saying. So, it's I mean, it's not like you're going to get away with that. Unlike with, with like, Shaq the go-to play was Shaq in the post, so he's going to touch the ball a lot, so you can just foul Shaq as soon as he gets Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, so, T- yo, yeah. I agree with you. Towns, Towns. There's no
2: situation in which that whole team shoots this bad. Yeah, game. it's not. It won't And,
1: and Towns should have got way more touches. There's no way in 40 minutes. I'm going to tell you right now, because Barkley said this too, <laughs> and he said it a while ago, and I, I definitely would have done it if I was Towns. If, if I'm playing 40 minutes, and I don't get the touches that I know I'm supposed to get, bro, I'm standing in the lane, and I'm getting a three-second violation... And we just go, nah, no, no, nah, I'm nah, doing nah, that. Nah, oh, no, nah, no. Nah. Nah. You're going to have to take me out the game. Because I'm not playing no 40 minutes. You're not going to give me my touches. Like, that's dead. You know,
2: interestingly enough, uh, Kat got nine field goal attempts. Derek Rose got 14. And
1: I and <laughs> we would have had a conversation in the back where I'm like, you calling more plays for Derek Rose. And Derek Rose is starting to be more aggressive than I can be? Nah, bro. I, I would have It would have been a problem. Because that was a prime example of like bad coaching. Either bad coaching or the guards on the on on the Timberwolves just for whatever reason felt like, oh I got to switch on a big. Huh. I'm going to take him real quick. It's like, yo, Jim Teague, <laughs> you're not that good. Like just to tell you, Jamal Crawford, you are way too inconsistent. Like th- th- that's just a fact. And so, if Towns gets the ball in the post and Chris Paul is guarding him, bro, throw him the ball in the post. And let's keep it moving, especially if you're not, if especially if you're not knocking down shots. If you're not knocking down shots, bro, just give the ball to the post when there's a mismatch.
2: I don't know how I feel about Jeff Teague on the team. The more I watch the Timberwolves play, the more I feel like he just doesn't fit in his play style. I feel like they need a, a playmaker on that team. He like, is a
1: playmaker. you crazy.
2: A, just like a a three and D kind of guy. Like Jeff Teague does some said, stuff like, sometimes. Talk about, talk talk about, talk awesome.
1: You just said they need a playmaker. And then you said they need a 3 and D guy. Like which like, which, yeah, one you, think, which one do you need agent? And
2: I might like I might be wild for this one but like a player like George Hill. he just expect that. First of that all, first, three of all ball ball. first of all.
1: George Hill not a playmaker. Second of all, he, he okay, hasn't forget the he, playmaker has, he hasn't been a 3 and D guy since he had an Indiana Pacers. So like Pacis here's, Jersey here's what I have envisioned in my mind pa- though. Patrick this, Beverly just, would have been thinking. that's a better option.
2: Of course, Patrick Beverly, But uh, I, I just the way like Derek Fisher was like you just do your job and just do your job. Yeah. You don't have to be special. Hit your shots when you're required to yep, hit your yep, shots. Yep. Lead the team, and I feel like they need. And I don't know if that's Jeff Teague no, it's, Sometimes it's, it's, it's not
1: his... Teague because that's not his playing style. Patrick Beverly is, is the perfect player for this for this role. Perfect player. And, uh, he would and he
2: would be like a nice hype man too. Because Wiggins sometimes just looks emotionless. We get some emotion out of Wiggins. But that's with, but that's uh, but that's what
1: that's what Fisher did too. Fisher was the guy who every now and then used to reel in Kobe, reel in Shaq real quick when they got a little crazy, but still was putting a battery in your back, still hyping you up, still going crazy. And then when, when Fisher knocked down the three, ah everybody go crazy, right? That's what you need. You need you need <laughs> the guy to age you in the process. While also playing defense though, because Fisher I wouldn't say he was an elite-level defender, but he definitely held his own for majority of his career. And so when, when you had that on the roster, like you said, that, that type of guy, and that's definitely Pat Bev. And like you said, Pat Bev, uh, somebody somebody needed to give an Andrew Wiggins' face. But he, I mean, he played, he played fine, but I mean.
2: I, I saw a couple guys on the internet saying it didn't look like Andrew Wiggins cared, which is like such a weird remark to make for people that don't really understand what's going on mentally in with somebody. Like T Mac looked like he was ready to nap at the bench all the time, right? And and of course there were jokes about how he looked sleepy all the time, but I don't think anybody was saying he didn't care, especially if he went on a run where he just wasn't shooting well or he wasn't performing well, right? I just find it weird that people look at Andrew Wiggins, a player who just like Kawhi seems fairly reserved, but I mean, we don't know how much he cares. Maybe, maybe he just wants a bag, right? Maybe some NBA players, and maybe he does want a championship. He wants to improve, regardless of the situation. I just found it weird. They, or the they need
1: to, or they need to form an offense that is more considerate of where he needs to be on the floor, because a lot of times it is just Jimmy Butler isoling or Jeff Teague pick and rolling. But that's why I said
2: I don't think Jeff Teague fits. I think that's the yeah. Problem I, with no, him. I, again, again he,
1: I, I agree with what you're saying. What I'm saying, I think. When people see Andrew Wiggins not being part of the offense, like when they were playing the Nuggets, I saw that a lot as well. Like people are just like he's just standing on the corner, and he's not really doing nothing. And it's like if if that is the offense, and I think that's it's it seems like that's what the offense is, where Wiggins is just on the perimeter and he's just there. If that's the offense, then I mean, what what is Wiggins supposed to do? He supposed to run up to Jimmy Butler and tell him to give him the ball? Like what? Like what is he supposed to do?
2: They do a lot of ISO, yeah. especially a yep. Jimmy Butler yeah. ISO more than. More than I would say I'm comfortable with. Yeah, the offense definitely needs some work. And again, uh, it's weird because Thibodeau keeps going back to what worked in the past. Bringing back players like Derrick Rose. And it's like, I don't I don't really know what he's... I mean, maybe he'll... Maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But I just think Derek, a Derrick Fisher type player would be perfect to help the guys who should be the focus in the situation. There's n- no situation, though, where it is okay for Carl Anthony Towns to have nine field goal attempts. And and that starts at the point guard spot, man. Just being able to distribute the ball. It wasn't all Jeff Teague though. I believe like uh, that game Rose had similar minutes. Uh, anyway, this game just just they're gonna get swept give anyway. The
1: ball in the post, man. Jesus, it's not even that complicated. Yeah. If they switching all the time, just throw him the ball in the post. It's it's not that complicated. They made that they made that game way more complicated than when it really when it. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? They, you could do it low. They made that game way more complicated than they needed it to be, and they and they still could have won that game. That's and that's the crazy part about it.
2: On the last point, I want to make is Houston, you cannot shoot like that against the Warriors. (laughs) Like you will get dominated if you try and shoot that poorly across the board. Everybody except Harden against the Warriors, and that's the reason why I think
1: that they're going to win. Who, um, the Warriors.
2: Oh, yeah, me too. That's the exact yep. reason why. Uh, they're a great defensive team. They don't always show it. it. Sometimes it feels like they're not even really trying. But and when it's playoff time, you better believe they're going to hide Curry and find a way to get the stops. <laughs> True. <laughs> hey, man. So, look we talked about, I believe, all the series here. Uh, I feel like I, I feel good because I was right about the Pacers and I was right about the Celtics. But I feel horrible that uh, I got the trailblazer one wrong. I got, I got, you know what's crazy? Uh, I got the Trailblazers
1: looks- <laughs> right. I had the Pelicans um, winning that series. Yep.
2: So there's always going to be at least one upset. Uh, but, yo, if you guys are a part of the bracket challenge, let me know how you guys are doing. I know some of you guys' brackets are already destroyed because you decided, like, Paul Pierce, that the Wizards were going to win the first round. For those, For those guys, like, that's just on you, right? But there's probably a couple, at least like a handful of perfect brackets that I could expect after round one. Like even the games, Lowe. Like someone's gonna guess not only who won each series, but each game. At least one person's gonna get that.
1: True, true, true. Um, real quick though, I do want to say this before we go. Before we give a highlight player of the um, highlight player of the podcast. I don't know what the fuck we call it now, but of the, of the day, day, of the day. Excuse me. Um, I I will say this because I think many people think I'm just you know I'm a hater and I'm always negative. The NBA is is easily the um, the most talented that I've ever seen it in my life. Like it's not I don't even think it's really close at this point. Whoa,
2: bold statement, my and, guy.
1: And if it if it is close, it'd be closer to around like the mid two thousands once LeBron, Wade, Chris Paul, Dwight came in the NBA and they start really maturing. So I'll say somewhere around two thousand five two thousand eight ish that would that 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 was really peak time talent wise. But since then, for for sure, this is easily the most talented the league has ever been, and it's it's very enjoyable to watch the league right now. And transitioning that from my from from that statement to my um my I guess my highlight player of the day, I'm a shout out to all the young players, the rookies and the sophomores who made their playoff debuts. what a head or who, who made their um <laughs> or maybe maybe may not a playoff debut because um. Jalen Brown played in the playoffs last year. So maybe maybe not their playoff debuts, but rookies and sophomores who were playing in the in the playoffs right now who are playing great basketball. Like let's let's be clear, the whole excuse of that person is quote unquote too young is not being utilized for some of these players. Donovan Mitchell has to step up. And and that was something that I think many people knew. Before entering the playoffs, but it's very obvious now. Same thing goes with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum; they're stepping up. Same thing goes with Ben Simmons, eventually Embiid, and Saric. All of these players are stepping up; they're playing great basketball. There's also some really good um, role players who are young as well, who are playing great as, as well. So, I want to give a shout out to all of those players because there's certain players in the NBA right now who are what John Wall's been in the NBA for how many years now? What ten years? Not not ten. years, probably like eight eight years. Nah, eight years. Not at- probably like 8 years.
2: I don't think so either. I think it's but he was drafted in what? 2011. He right? drafted
1: in um Paul George draft class, no.
2: Uh it's 2010. Yeah, 8 yeah. years, you're right. Ding, ding, ding. So so
1: John Wall's been in the NBA for 8 years. And um that that progression for, with John Wall has stopped over the last 3 years. I mean that's I'm, that's just me being. Fooled. I think
2: it stopped with the team. Yeah, I mean I that
1: and that and that too as well. I think they haven't really expected him to do much of anything either. And but the same thing goes with Giannis. Giannis has been in the NBA for five years now. That that next step needs to be started. He needs to, he needs to start taking that next step. He he needs to start taking the next step. Wiggins has been in the NBA for four years as well. Towns has been in the NBA for three years. And for whatever reason, players such as Ben Simmons was a rookie. Um, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, all these players who are making their playoff debuts, who have only been in the NBA for a year or two, they're the ones who are stepping up. So I want to give them. Low, here's the reality,
2: my guy. For each guy that takes a step up, there's a guy that stalls or takes a step down, man. Not everybody could be great. So this, uh, you might be saying there's a lot of I talent out
1: because there. It's been a while since we've seen players really step up like this. How though? could
2: you disagree? Every time a team wins a game, another team loses the game. You can't have Giannis take the next step and lead his team to the Eastern Conference Finals without taking a player like LeBron out the playoffs or DeRozan out the playoffs, and these are players that year over year are finding ways to improve. Uh, let me, the let, game. me ask you, let me ask you so, this:
1: from the 2010 draft, and, and I'll give you a list of names as well, but from the 2010 draft to the 2000, let's say 13 draft, how many players within that time frame have stepped up in in the playoffs or just stepped up in general? How many of those players have really stepped up? To give you some names. I don't think a lot of them have had, like, I mean, I believe,
2: like, back when uh, the Heat were massive, I think Paul George yeah, stepped Paul, up and brought a good Paul challenge. Paul George
1: did. Yeah. I'll say Paul George, Kyrie, and maybe um oh, uh, Kawhi as well. Clay Thompson. For sure. Uh, Clay. okay. But that's really, is there anybody else? I mean, eighty. I think AD, this this um, playoffs right now, he's looking really great. But for for the most part, I mean, Giannis has been stagnant for the past two years now. And that's. it's not me like trying to get on Giannis that much, but I'm just saying, when I'm looking at other players progressing their first year or two compared to taking three, four, five years to get to wherever they need to get to, I mean, I, I'm just looking at what players are doing. But for the most part, I mean... Gobert has improved, so has Oladipo, but Dame has been the same player for the most part for the past two to three years. Drummond became a better passer this year, but still has massive flaws in his game. Bradley Bill is practically the same player. Jimmy Butler took some huge steps in his first three years in the league, but after that, he's been stagnant. I mean, what do we... John Wall has been the same that's player. But that's what I'm saying, though. Gordon
2: Hayward like, has been the same player. Everybody can't be LeBron. I'm not, every, saying, like, I'm not saying you have to
1: be LeBron. No, yeah, no, I'm no, I get that. that. But,
2: like... All these players, like 25 percent of the players we're mentioning, will take the next step. And then there's going to be some that max out, and there's going to be some that take steps backwards. You can't. There's no way ever in a competitive sport that everybody could
1: always. I'm not, I'm not, take I'm not saying they all have to take. A, I'm not. I'm not saying they all have to take a, a step forward. What I'm saying is Ben Simmons in his first year is taking a step forward nearly every single game he plays. That's what I'm saying. Jalen Brown, yeah, I mean, Jalen his... Brown, his second year, he just had a thirty-point game in 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 his uh, second year in the playoffs. Thir- thirty, 30 yeah, I mean, thir- thirty-point game. That's not like some that ain't some something that just happens every now and then. Jason Tatum has been a consistent scorer throughout the entire season, and now in the postseason, he's still putting up consistent points as well. Like these are things that we're just expecting players who've been in the NBA for three years to do. Jason Tatum is a rookie, and he's immediately been a consistent scorer so far through his career. And so I understand what you're saying. Again, it's not really a huge knock on the young players who've been in the NBA now for a few years who haven't been able to put up the consistent points and and continue to grow because, like you said, sometimes it just takes longer. Some players are different from others. I'm just highlighting the players who have been in the NBA for a handful of years or have been in the NBA for only one year. And he's stepping up in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, rookie debut in the postseason. 27 points. Like, I mean I, I mean I don't know how many players in NBA history couldn't say they've done that. Shout out to OG. Shout out to OG and Anobi, man. He's playing he's OG. playing defense. Like I I am see what I see what he's doing. He's doing his thing out there. And he's a he's a rookie. He's
2: making John Wall nervous, my guy. He's making John he's Wall nervous. He's a rookie
1: too. Like he's going out there and he's when y'all play the um Cavs in the next round. He's going to guard LeBron. Like, he, there's no other choice. He's the one who's guarding LeBron. And that's what I'm talking about. You don't think DeRozan Shut can? Shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> that, and and that's, all, that's all I'm talking about. It's just that rookies and sophomores are, have really stepped up this year. And I, and I like it.
2: All right. Uh, my shout-out goes to Klay Thompson. I saw a video of Klay Thompson in game one. Of course, he went, I believe, it was 11 for 13 from the field. He took a total of six dribbles on those made field goals, which I thought was crazy. I remember growing up hearing stories about how Kobe used to work off the ball and how much that, and, you know, for all the talk about him being a ball hog and he doesn't distribute, like, his off-ball play was phenomenal. And to see the Warriors take it to a whole nother level, I haven't seen the system run so fantastic and a player that can hit shots with such a high level of efficiency. A lot of people don't talk about him and they forget because they're always talking about Durant and Curry. But if you put Clay on a team of his own, he would be getting consistent buckets. He sacrifices for the team. And I he might be one of the best off ball players in NBA history. He's fantastic. The facts. Uh, and I feel like he deserves a shout out. You know he's always he's he's always he's not in this he's like he's like like you know the rumors about how T Mac was unhappy that Vince Carter was getting all the shine. T Mac, T Mac's overrated. This case. You gotta
1: stop talking about T Mac. He's overrated, bro.
2: You gotta stop disrespecting
1: players like that, bro. People gonna get mad at you. I you think guy. I care. If people get mad at me because I state the facts.
2: You definitely do, bro. I state the you, facts. you seek validation so much. Nah, you seek the Nah, validation
1: man, yo, T Mac still a Hall of Famer. You know, don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. Grew up watching the man. You know what I'm saying? One of my favorite players growing up. You know what I'm saying?
2: Lo, I remember when I was a kid. overrated, there was this,
1: though. There was, this,
2: there was this guy I used to talk to uh, when I was like eight or nine years old. And he used to have this T-Mac backpack. And he used to try and make these horrible arguments for why T-Mac was better than Kobe. And we used to go at it all the time. I remember that shit. And now it's weird looking back. Like, I don't know if any player would ever try and even say something so crazy like, uh, T Mac is a better player than Kobe Bryant. But those there were days, bro, where like T Mac was that guy, man. He was one of the premier players. There was never there was, like, never, so there was, there was, there was never a day him.
1: in his life where you could make that argument. Only only fans who were extremely biased would make an argument like that. Premier.
2: I don't mean he, not the best, but like he's up there like top five, top five, top five.
1: He That's was it. never a top five player in the NBA. Okay, let me say the big. It may, let me, all right, let me say, be, It may have been one year, but he wasn't. He wasn't like a consistent top five player. No, no, he wasn't.
2: Depends what you mean by consistent. How long?
1: For for longer long than a, year, a year, year. No.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> had to break it down, we might have to drop a video and piss a
1: couple Houston I'm fans dead. off, my guy. You, and you think he was top five in Houston? I mean, I don't yeah, know because I he, haven't he investigated. Wasn't. You'd have to look at this. No, top five in Houston. I feel like just
2: based off of no facts but just emotion, he has to have been, but you'd have to look at the the years and who was there at the time and who was hooping, right?
1: Man, by the time the by the time he was, he was in but. Houston was the the early the first year in Houston it was two thousand and four, two thousand and five. LeBron and him were already in the league at that point. Like I don't know how you can say yeah, No. Nah. Yeah. And in his Orlando years, you can say like in '03 and 0-4, you can say that maybe he was top five then, but Kobe, Shaq, Duncan were consistently the top three, top three players. And then you throw KG in the conversation, so that's four. I mean, that's that's no. He was. I don't think. I, now I'm thinking about it. He might not have ever been the top five player. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really thinking about it. I'm
2: glad you could come to that I'm, conclusion. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm comments. just talking about if
1: those four players that I just named. KG, Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, those those are four players, at least by two thousand and four, that were better than, um, better than T Mac. I don't know, man. I don't know, uh, man. I don't know. I gotta. I don't know if T Mac was ever top five. I don't know.
2: Fun fact to end the podcast, guys. Chris Middleton was a thirty ninth pick in the twenty twelve draft.
1: He was. And you, wow. You know, what, you know what team he was drafted to? The Pistons. No. And and was the he Pistons really? traded him hey. important part of that um that Brandon Jennings trade. I, Loki, I might need a, I need I might, oh he I might I might I might need to make a video on that on how bad the Pistons have been drafting and trading over the last like five seven years because they are horrendous. They missed out on Donovan Mitchell and drafted who had Luke Kennard to some some crazy stuff. They missed out on I think they missed out on Dame and drafted Drummond, which I mean I guess you can go either way on that one. Um, not really. Dame is obviously a better player. Yeah. No, you can't. i is right, da- a better player. I'm, <laughs> I'm bugging guys. Let me let me cut the cap. Let me not act like you know Dame and Drummond in the same conversation. And then who did they draft last year? They drafted someone last year, and they were literally like one pick away from drafting the right player. But yeah, I don't I, I don't know, man. That that team is kind of suspect with the draft picks and the trades, man. You know, gotta watch out for that team. But that's what happens when you're one of the worst teams in the NBA, you know, right?
0: <laughs> You're talking so much. <laughs> oh, shit.
1: oh my god! Oh, they drafted they drafted Stanley Johnson In eight, and Devin Booker was still available.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. We can stop. We can stop. Trash. We can stop with the distance line. Trash.
1: Thing.
2: Yeah, they have been they have been making some horrible decisions, if the Blake Griffin trade is any indication. Anyway, uh, we're gonna end oh, the podcast. talk about that. Man.
1: Yo, what what's up, my podcast people? Thank you for. I'm, I'm acting like this is the intro. Yo, shout out to all my podcast people out there listening to the podcast right now. Thank you all for supporting. Thank you all for hitting the five star. Make sure I upload this probably early in the morning so you wake up with my voice caressing your ears. Pause. Come on, uh, y'all. This, are you saying this like is that? another episode of the R Top Podcast, better known as Let Us Overreact to the First Two Games of the Playoffs. I'm signing off. Did we do that? Did we do that today? Uh I don't think Milwaukee gets sweat. Did. <laughs> <laughs> uh any 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 concluding. Yeah, say say something crazy real quick. Say a, say a crazy um say something crazy. Since you going to over
2: Carmelo's going to finish the series shooting
1: 35%. And San Antonio is going to come back in that series. Uh and say say <laughs> <laughs>
2: I didn't know you meant that crazy on, if, you, I mean, if, you really think,
1: if you really think about it they own, the only reason why they won game two is because clay thompson and katie went off right so they could they could have won that series they could have won that game if you
2: think about it and a couple of them don't go off and then if this happens and that happens and nuclear missiles go off then yeah maybe they can come back and win
1: the, exactly. <laughs> the series just, exactly. just maybe yep. so there you go just maybe. Oh, any, any closing statements all right we'll you know, catch gonna say y'all later like, man you know, say something to the
2: people? no i want i want to finish i'll, I'll do this
1: Peace. I'm, I'm cutting that out. You know that, right? <laughs> Guarantee you're not going to cut that I'm out. I'm
2: cutting it out, bro. Because if what, what's the outro going to be if
1: you don't have the peace p- that I just put in there? Peace. It's going to be that piece right there. That's nah. what it's going to be.
0: <laughs> That's exactly Yo, what it's going to
1: be. I got to edit these from
2: now on, man.
0: Hey, hey, it's Flo. And you know what word I've never understood? Top hat. Aren't all hats on top? They're like the toppest part of every outfit. Unless I've been doing it wrong. That's why I stick with simple words like flow It means the sense of security you'll feel when your new home is protected by home insurance through me and Progressive. Also, there shouldn't be a top hat unless there's a bottom hat. Wait, is that what underwear is? Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.